morning, Starbuck. What do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Grab your gun and bring in the cat. Don't frag it up by overthinking. Well, how the fuck could it get in so close without being detected? You're a lousy salesman. You got me. I'm just a passenger back here. How, why, doesn't really matter now. What does matter is that as of this moment, we are at war. All right, so welcome back to, what is this, episode four of Free Range Idiocy? We made it to four, baby. We ain't got canceled yet. Oh, wait. Nobody's paying for this. <laughs> yeah. When are you going to get us a sponsorship is what I need I'm to working know. on it. I'm working on Dave, it. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Okay, good. You, you keep doing that, and I'll keep, I don't know, <laughs> drinking bourbon. Uh, yeah, I mean, you seem so, to be uh, shilling the bourbon pretty well. So. Smell of your corn liquor or brewing is going to drive poor Miss Dryja right out of her mind. Well, I mean, uh, we're not uncivilized here. No. I mean, come on. But, but it's, it's reaching um, Mick Foley-esque proportions, so, you know. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you've got a gimmick, you just hang on to that for dear life, That's right. Man. That's right. <laughs> All right. So my name is Todd. With me, uh, as always, the, uh, let me say, uh, the the rock to my Mick Foley. Oh, there we go. The rock and sock connection. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Tim. Hello, hello. So, uh, first off, the most in question, the most important question of the evening: uh, What you drinking there, sir? Well, I am uh, popping open right there. Uh, oh, Goose Island three one two. Wow, I am not familiar with that. Which, which is not from someone's basement in a barrel, you know, single or double malted. It is simply three one two, slightly less than three fifty. So. Well, uh, I personally, uh, you'll you might be proud of me. I I found a deal, a steal, the sale of the century today at the grocery store. Uh, I am drinking uh, Rebel Yell, which is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, handcrafted according to the original time honored recipe since 1849, according to the label. Very nice. Uh, it's a nice little 80 proof number, and uh, it won some type of award. Uh, Spirit, good lord, I'm getting old. I can't read the dang label. <laughs> you won a gold medal at something in 2016. Are you doing one of those uh, things where the glasses are in the bridge of the nose and you're kind of looking at a distance from it? <laughs> Dude, I've got I've got glasses that I started out having to wear just for reading, and then it became wearing them for everything. And now I'm doing the glasses and I'm holding it away from nice, nice in in like the brightest light possible. That's that is. That is how the decline has happened. Oh, we are getting old. Riggs, getting too old. For, no, I'm sorry. No one can do that like Danny Glover. No one can. Last show, it was Michael Caine. This show, Danny Glover. Who shall be next? A man of a thousand voices. That's right. And they're all the same, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, so uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, the premise of this entire thing, in case you're jumping into this out of nowhere, and if you are, hey, thanks for the leap of faith, and we're really sorry that you're going to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> but the premise of this entire thing is uh, Tim and I went to college together, and we're really only getting a chance to, to chat 
after Boston sports teams would win a championship. Mm -hmm. And uh, luckily for us, that's happened a lot, so we didn't fall completely out of contact. But we realized it'd be nice to have an excuse to sit around and just BS like we used to and also enjoy some cold beverages. So thus this podcast was born, and we're just rambling on about stuff. And hopefully you're entertained, and if not, you know, you get a full refund of nothing. (laughs) Zero times uh, the price is zero. So (laughs) Instead of everyone gets a trophy. That's right. Nobody gets a trophy. Nothing. There are no winners. There's just... We're all in the same boat And, y- you know, last episode, which was meant to be number two, but ended up turning into two and three, <laughs> was was an exercise in uh, just uh, rambling and uh, pr- pretty much proving the point of why we're doing this. Yes, it was definitely free-range idiocy. Oh. We, we, we were good to our name there, if not to our intention. Originally, Indeed. The one, what I, I, said, I said at the beginning of the first podcast, like, I hate podcasts that that go forever and ever and ever, and then we recorded one, like the second episode. Yeah. I was like, oh, dang it. Nothing like <sighs> cursing yourself on day two. Life is a gradual release from ignorance, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Those are words to hang on to and keep you warm in the middle of the night. All right, so uh, one other thing, bit of business before we jump into tonight's, or, well, this morning. You know, hey, Happy whenever it is, wherever you are, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Before we get started on the subject at hand, uh, be sure you follow us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. Both of those you can find us at Free Range Idiocy. If you need help uh, spelling that, dude, I can't help you. You're probably not even, I don't even know how you got this podcast, (laughs) quite honestly. Just kind of roaming around and stumbled upon it. Just pressing random (laughs) buttons and hey! (laughs) Anyways, um, so uh, you can follow us on social medias, uh, freerangeidiocy.com will take you right to our Podbean page. You can download a full episode there. We're also on iTunes. Um, I've been trying to get on Spotify, but Spotify hates me for some reason. I don't know why. It keeps on giving me this runaround. I'm going to keep working on it, but quite probably honestly, run neither by, one of us. Pro- probably run by some New York fans. Could and be, they know where right? we come from, so it, you yeah. know, it's, it, they're just putting the kibosh on spreading the word. So, <laughs> I love how you've already gotten this into like some sort of conspiracy. Like, I, like you've been hanging. Did you at one time trying to convince me that all sports were fixed, or was that Matt? Uh, no, I, that was me, but it was basketball. Oh well, and and you were right. So in that case, you were <laughs> and I, I was vindicated uh, many years later. <laughs> What was the guy, Donahue, Donahue, yes, yes. whatever his name was, the ref that was on the tape, <laughs> which, hey, it's the only one, wink, wink, Yes. sure, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, All well, right, so hey, we've already hey, gotten and, off and topic. And speaking of our social media, I, I got to tip the cap to you, my, my friend, because uh, the, uh, the memes on Twitter, timely, uh, a lot of street hawk going on, you, you thankfully embedded the, or... Uh, I don't know. Thankfully, is the right word, but but you that, that theme song was embedded in my brain for two days, uh, you know. After after uh, you know he- hearing what we did and and uh, and kind of seeing some some uh, clips on YouTube. So well done, sir. Uh, I look forward to what sort of things will end up you know filling my mind as uh, as we go through this. Oh, you say that now. <laughs> 
You know what the oddest thing was? So I didn't get the Street Hawk uh, theme caught in my head, even though I was I was editing and I, I I listened to it I listened to it a bunch of times just by trying to get the right timing down. The theme from Airwolf got stuck in my head. Oh god, they they and, all are like that. I mean. And that was only a brief mention, but all of a sudden, I just throughout the day, like, I'm like, ah, no. Those were some catchy. And I love that show. Those were some catchy tunes, man. Oh, totally. Um, anyways, so we've we're already desperately off topic at this point, uh, and people are probably wondering exactly what are we talking about. Um, and I've actually, well, let's get right to it. We spent. I don't know, at least a third of the past three episodes talking about this subject. So we figured we might as well just dive full in, feet first, with geekery. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are now going to be doing this. It seems stupid to even say it. I can't, I can't help but laugh because this could either catapult us to the highest of heights or just nobody's going to listen. Like even family is going to abandon us on this no, one. So. No. We are, we are going to embark on a little bit of a trip here. Uh, we have decided that we spent so much talk, time talking about Battlestar Galactica, we are going to go season by season and talk about our favorite episodes. So this will be a four-episode trek. Well, actually, I guess we shouldn't say trek. I don't know if we'll get sued for that. Uh, <laughs> getting our, our sci-fi crossed up. Don't cross the street. It's going to be a four-episode trek of Battlestar Galactica and any sort of space war that you can think of. Yes, so. that. See, Get, getting our geek just, on. Honestly, you should just be doing this by oh, yourself. Stop it! I mean, can we just just stop it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, there was this little Battlestar Galactica reboot that happened in uh, 2004. Uh, so we won't be speaking of the 1978. Uh, original Battlestar Galactica, and we certainly won't be talking about Battlestar Galactica 1980, which was the ill-fated El Cheapo brand sequel to the original Battlestar Galactica. Also known as, please, um, watch us, please. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't work. <laughs> it was like, nope. I don't even think they got Richard Hatch back for that. It was like Lauren Green and like whoever else was just <laughs> wildly available. Oh my God. And that was it. It was horrible. I've I've only watched tiny little bits of it. You should you should YouTube though. um, I forget what exactly it was called, but it was like Battlestar Galactica: The Second Coming or something like that. I, you sob. I had I was gonna mention that later. That was a deep cut, and you and you beat me to it. Well, I all right. I'll I'll that's like the eighth time in three in like four episodes. Now you've done that to me. Just yanked a rug right out from under me. I apologize. I, I honestly, I I'm, I can't even be mad for too long because you're just that damn good. Well, I, I, uh, you you were walking through the timeline, and I figured it was it was bad enough to mention. But man, as far as trailers go, ouch! Oh yeah, and I'm I'm totally going to link that in the show notes. So don't worry, you don't have to bother looking for it. It'll be in the show. And notes. And if you didn't catch that earlier, it was ouch. <laughs> I mean, it it, it, oh, it was bad. Boy. It was real, and I mentioned it too, and, and we'll get into this later. How bad was it? Well, it was so bad. Um, <laughs> no, the uh, who, was yes, was that. the actor Richard Hatch. Do I have that right? Yeah, Richard right. Hatch. He seems to have been the original Apollo. Yes, the original Apollo seems to have um, 
near as I have read about, had quite the uh, desire to continue the legacy of this show. Um, you know, M- Mark Hamill, unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately for him, but, um, you know, typecast as Luke Skywalker. But but this guy uh, was on this show for a couple of years, and he just wanted to kind of, like, keep this thing going as long as possible. Um, mm-hmm. I seem to recall reading somewhere, too, that he was against this series coming out originally, wasn't he? Well, yeah, and actually, let's let's. Or, sorry, I'm I'm jumping I, ahead, but anyways, but this I know, is, this is what we, we do, man. We're all over the map. <laughs> we will get to this. Trust me, we will get to this. Uh, so the Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look and feel human. Some are programmed to think they are human. There are many copies, and they have a plan. As do we. Thus begins. Battlestar Galactica season one, and uh, so let's let's we, we each picked five, which was really tough because I mean I think I'm speaking for both of us here. It's really hard to pick a least favorite episode out of season one. It was just so dense with good episodes. Oh, absolutely! It's it's and, and we were talking about this when we were you know kind of prepping and sharing what we had uh, come up with, and uh, you know for me I I was literally the last two weeks just trying to run through season one um, just to, as a refresher because uh, it had just been so long. And as I'm watching each show, I, I'm having this list going, and it's really difficult to, to rank these um, in any sort of sensible order because they're just all so unbelievably good. I mean, just that first season, the storytelling was just so spot on. Yeah, yeah, and did such a great job continuing on from the miniseries which we will not be discussing the miniseries as a whole because as I told Tim before we started recording I could talk for that for two hours by myself as long as it was enough uh you know water to keep you know my tongue somewhat moist I could I could continue to talk (laughs) about that ad infinitum it is literally one of my favorite things I've ever watched on television it was very well done and I suppose we should also mention we're, we're going to, for these next four episodes, abandon the best and worst approach, correct? We're, we're kind of just, yes. we're, we're really just there's, kind of talking no about worst. these seasons um, and the things that we enjoyed about them um, and, and continue to you know, talk at, at length about what we've liked about it if we haven't done enough of that already given the prior episodes we've done. So. Yeah, yeah. If you, haven't, if you can't tell already, we'd, we'd be hard-pressed to find a worst. It's, it's only... For me, there's there's episodes I like less than the ones I really like, but I don't. It's none that I'm like, oh, that's that was horrible. Right. I just I, it's just I don't like that one as much as I like this one. Eh. Yeah. Overall, it's still really freaking good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or should I say really fracking good? <laughs> just to. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, we official. try to be as. We try to be as family friendly, but I mean, does it count if we're saying frack? I mean, technically, it is their swear. I mean, but it's not our swear. It was on. For frack's sake. You know what? I'm gonna frack and go with it. Anyways, so let's hear what your your five were. And did you did you put them in any specific order, or were you going kind of like me, just almost chronologically in like series? Yeah, order? I, it, it actually just worked out that way. Um, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't by design. I was really trying to, um, you know, find things about some of the, 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 um, deeper episodes, if you want to call them that in, in the season to have them outrank what I had at the top. And it was just hard. 
um, mm-hmm. because they're just like, like we just said, they're, they're just so good. And, um, you know, so what I started out with, uh, do you want me to run through the list now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me your five. So I started out with the very first episode of 33, which we talked about, uh, in, in the last, uh, well, yeah, I think it was the last episode. Um, you know, that, that was an episode where it picked right up after the pilot. Um, and well, not right after it was about, uh, Basically, I think it was about five days um, of the uh, the the ships, um, you know, just trying to outmaneuver and, and out uh, FTL the um, faster than light um, the, the the Cylons. Thanks, thanks for helping out all the news. Well, you know, got got a well, and we should probably say too, there, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this. So, <laughs> oh yeah, before one. Quite honestly, if you haven't watched it at this point, you just don't care enough, and and therefore, I'd I'd. I'm not really all that concerned if we spoil it for yeah. you. However, if you if you have just by by virtue of listening to us ramble and, and fawn over this, want to watch it, by all means, feel free to download these and listen to them later and just go and, and like binge watch these. It is so worth your time. Right, right now, uh, I believe, that, so we have Amazon Prime, and right now it's uh, free to, to watch them. So there's no, you don't have to pay for them right now, which is nice. Yeah, which is great because um, I actually that's how I was. I kind of so so actually let me let me go back and do this. So you went through and you've been binging the whole first season to prep for this. I was not able to do that, so I'm kind of the other end of the spectrum where I went with I made out my list kind of just looking at the episode list on uh, on Wikipedia yeah. just to refresh my memory. I'm like, oh yeah, this one, this one, this one, this one, and then I kind of went back. And I did. I like. I was speed watching a couple of the episodes just so I could refresh myself on some of the finer details because I really, I do. I feel like I've watched this season more than any of the others, and I know it like the back of my hand. Yeah, that, um, that, I think that's the so difference was, between the two of us. I haven't watched it. I, I watched the series once through with my wife, and then I haven't really watched it since then. So you are probably in a more advantageous position than I, which is why I had to go through the binging. Yeah, and if and the one thing I would say is, so if you if you want to watch them like now and you've got Amazon Prime, totally go go watch them. However, if you uh, if you live anywhere near a store that sells used DVDs or um, I don't even know if these if these are online or anything, but if you if you're able to get a hold of the commentary tracks for the episodes, which I don't even know if they're on Prime or not. I'm not sure if Prime offers. That I'm not sure. Viewing. Yeah, but the the commentary is so valuable if you really like to geek out on things and you really are interested in the details uh ronald moore's commentary tracks are amazing and he also has um you know his part the uh what is it was it david Ike, david Ike, i think yeah. he was on a lot of them and then also um uh michael reimer who directed the miniseries directed a lot of like the pivotal episode they it seems like they brought him in he directed 33 they would bring him in for like some of the big episodes and he was he was really part of the DNA of that show and he's he, he's in some of these commentary tracks so it's it's super um informative and interesting at least for a geek like me because I love commentary tracks anyways yeah. um to to listen to those so if you can get a hold of those after the fact if you can find them used or something or buy them new i mean hey you know I mean, starbucks got to eat too so <laughs> You know, do what you got to do, but I would suggest listening to those afterwards because they're so good, and you learn so much about 
about just how they were writing it and what what they were thinking and just the you know some of the stuff you might even miss like tiny little details yeah. and i thought i'd watch some of these episodes enough to get those details and then they point something out i'm like oh crap i didn't even notice that right right um so so how so about this how I'll, about this just give me just give me your the the episode titles yeah, yeah. i'll give you my episode titles and then, we'll and then as we go through yeah We'll kind of like uh, we'll give like the little the synopsis, and then we can just dive into the game. Yeah, I was getting a little that. expository there, just introducing it. Um, That's all right. Well, yeah. So, so the first one is is titled Thirty Three. Uh, the second one is uh, Episode Four, uh, Act of Contrition. Um, mm-hmm. The third one is Episode Five, You Can't Go Home Again. Uh, the fourth one is uh, f- Episode Eight, Flesh and Bone. And the last one in my top five is episode 10, The Hand of God. Nice. Um, so for my my five here, we've got uh, episode three, Bastille Day. Uh, I also had episode four, Act of Contrition. Also, I had episode five, You Can't Go Home Again. Uh, episode nine was, uh, was one of my favorites, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. And then uh, episode 13, the season finale, which is Cobal's Last Gleaming, part two. So, nice. I mean, again, there's no, there's, no, there's no losers here. There's only winners because those are out of, I mean, e- even as we were running through and looking at the episodes, we didn't pick. So we have like eight out of the 13 represented in our top five. Yeah, yep, yeah. And those other five episodes easily could have made it in there. oh yeah yeah i mean like water is a great episode and 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 some of the other episodes are in I'm, but you got to make a cut somewhere <laughs> yes you do yes you do so let's uh, let's start off with uh with your top pick um which is the first episode of the first season 33 um which the synopsis is following the exodus of humans from the colonies. The fleet is attacked by the Cylons every 33 minutes as the survivors cope with their losses compounded by their lack of sleep. So what was it about this episode that you just, you loved? So, yeah, and they, we kind of touched on it in, in earlier uh, podcast episodes, but it's the, um, the, the episode just sets this kind of relentless pacing you know tone to it where it's just you you can almost feel um just the constant burden of the the threat of the Cylons popping in uh right on time um given what they've been going through and and I started to talk about this when we were going through the list initially but um but basically they, they allude to the fact that they've pretty much been going at this for almost five days and all of the crew, what, what, what really stands out in this episode is, and they did a great job with whether it's makeup or whatnot, but everyone just looks like they have been going without sleep for five days. I mean, they just oh, yeah, look they, they awful. Look horrible. <laughs> and, and, even, horrible. and even Adama, who most of the time conducts himself as, as any commander would and, and any, and any uh, you know, kind of professional captain type would, um, even you see him, I mean, he's just like, you know, at one point he's just kind of rambling on with Ty a little bit. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like he, even he is, 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 is feeling the effects of this. Um, well, he couldn't even, he couldn't remember which shift it was. Right. Remember that? Right. Remember that moment where Ty takes a double shift? Cause he's like, old man couldn't even remember it was his, his turn to sleep or, right. or his shift to be on or whatever. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it, and it, I think it's one of the, it, it, it illustrates perfectly what made this series 
so great is because they they really found ways to make some of the not mundane but the the real stuff that you would face in in some sort of in these situations like after a, a holocaust type world ending event and the the survivors are trying to to get away from somebody like what does that look like right. and the idea that like there's no reinforcements there's no one there's only a finite amount of pilots there's only a finite amount of crew members and you've had losses and now you you're just trying to make this thing work around the clock and and coordinating constantly and coordinating with uh, like how many ships were there in addition to Galactica was there like I twenty say in the beginning. Over a, no, I I think when they so, so when they actually got the ragtag fleet right <laughs> to to go, to go off of uh, the original, um, the, um, I'm gonna have to look that up. What? Well, uh, well, I think it was over a hundred. My 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 only point is, you know, uh, when we, you know if you're if you allow yourself to geek out with the show and get into it. It's pretty remarkable to, to, like you were saying, to consider the fact too that they're coordinating these uh, these jumps um, all together. You know, and and oh. I and I'm, I mean, granted, of course, you know, Galactic are probably coordinating it, but you know, you also have to keep in mind too, like at that point, they're outside the realm of what they've charted in, in space. I mean, they're like at the end of the pilot, they have jumped. When when they escape, um, was it called? Ra- it's not Ragnarok. That's Thor, but it's called. No, it's a uh, Ragnar. R- Ragnar Anchorage. When when they jump and escape um, the Cylons at at the end of the pilot, they've jumped into space that's uncharted for them. And so when you consider you know the fact that they're they're fatigued, they've been doing this for five days straight. They're the the survival of their race depends on them, you know, making it. And then on top of it, you know, just all the coordination. I mean, it's it's they they just did a great job of just kind of taking what it, what would in fact be a very chaotic and very stressful scenario and just starting with that, you know, and 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 that's that's the starting point of of the whole series is just this relentless uh, pursuit to survive and and yeah. to just keep going, um, and and against an and against an enemy that does not need any kind of rest, right, right. Which I think is, is it just, I mean, it's one thing if you were being chased by an enemy like yourself, you know, like, but you're being chased by an enemy that has none of the restrictions that you do. Right. They don't have to sleep. They don't have to eat. I mean, they can make more Cylons. Yep. I, I mean. Which, which at this point, they don't understand that. I mean, Adama and everyone do not yet know that the well, no Adama knows because oh, he was uh, you're, you're right. at Ragnar he 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 figured out Leoben was a silent. You're you're right. Him and Rosalind know it. But other than that yeah. no one else really understands what But the even so they really know that they know that it's a it's a mechanical race. Yeah. Well that that's true. Even even if it even if they just think in the old school toasters it, these robots don't need rest. Right. Right. And they can just make more centurions. You know, there's no finite amount of them, and they they're getting them from somewhere. Right. Um, so before I forget, 75 ships in the fleet. I guess it, it was 50 in the in the mini series, and then they bumped it to 75 in the actual series. Okay. So 75 ships to keep track of, um, and to and, and to coordinate also, and to coordinate jumping in in yeah. 33 minutes. 
Yeah, and that's w- and that's one of the things that happens where um, they lose the ship. Oh, the the Olympic carrier, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then that ends up being almost like this weird sort of, you know, Milai massacre-ish sort of thing where it's like, did they just di- did they just blow up a, 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 you know, a spaceship full of civilians? Right. Right. And you don't really know. And I and I, if I remember right from the, the commentary, like they really tried to make it. At one point, they went back and forth about showing people in the windows or not showing them and tried to leave it as ambiguous as possible. Yeah, there, there's the one scene where Apollo is flying alongside of it before he before he makes the decision to follow through with with blowing it up. Um, and, and, you know, again, it, it was just a, a very smart bit of storytelling where he's fatigued at that point. And, and we, we didn't mention this, but, you know, in the, the latter half of, of that episode, he and Starbuck and the other um, members of the patrol that are out, they're all like yeah, whacked cool. up on drugs at this point because they, they're just trying to keep themselves they, like they go on these things called stims, which we have no idea what the heck yeah. they are. But, of course, they name them stimulants, you know, or, or like stimulants. So we understand what they're doing. Well, and that's the thing like you, you that's another beautiful thing about everything is they never really they didn't Star Trek out with terminology like stimulants are stimulants mm-hmm. they just happen to call them stims yes you know yeah, and, i mean yeah and and so you have not only the fatigue but him also being kind of on a high and he's and he's flying by the ship and and yeah they, they made it purposely vague you know like you don't mm-hmm. know if the sile if the if when the ship was left behind the cylons just wiped it out loaded it up with a bomb sent it off and uh, and had every intention of, of trying to bomb, you know, the, the fleet to kind of, you know, knock it out. Um, and, and Apollo just has that quick flyby moment where he thinks he sees something, but then he has to make that really difficult choice. You know, again, much like they did in the pilot, they, they, they had to make a very difficult choice of jumping and leaving behind the ships that had no FTL drives, which, again, FTL yeah. is like hyperspace, you know, from Star Wars or, you know, warp speed from Star Trek. But um but they had to do that jump, and so and, and that's one thing I really like about the story they tell is, and, and they don't wait a, a long period of time to, to tell these stories. They're basically ripping the Band-Aid off, so to speak, and saying, you know, when, when these people face this conundrum, they have to make these very quick, pragmatic choices. Otherwise, their civilization is done. Um, and so it was really a very interesting storytelling Um to have that play out and, and it even then bleeds into the next episode next episode uh with apollo where he's still feeling that remorse you know for for having blown up that ship yeah and and actually wasn't it Rosalind that made the call i mean you've watched this i i did not watch this one in prep for the story and i want to say that Rosalind is the one who makes the call um to to down the olympic carrier I think so. I, you know, it's funny. I, I just watched it, but I, for what, for whatever reason, in my brain, I'm thinking, uh, uh, you know, they not that they left it up to Apollo and Starbuck, but Apollo just kind of makes this call because they, at, at some point they can tell that the ship is just flying toward the fleet. Like, it gets to a point where they understand this thing is not operating normally, and so it's and so mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's Adama or Rosalind that gives the, the the call, but yeah, they're they they make another one of those tough choices. And, and it's interesting, too, because Starbucks very much against doing it because, you know, she, she's like, you know, there's people on board, but the ship is clearly out of control. And, um, and and this one ship is flying towards the fleet and the 
you, you get the impression, or I think what they end up detecting is there's radioactivity on the ship, meaning there's like a new, and you know, th- sorry, we're jumping all over the place, but that's another thing I appreciate is the fact that they, they use weaponry that we can relate to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not some crazy thing like phasers and photon torpedoes. They use nuclear missiles. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's something we can identify with, you know? Well, because it's not, it, it, there's that dread. Like, we have history of knowing what a nuclear weapon is. Right, exactly. You know, you understand what radiation is. Like, you understand when Rosalind gets cancer. Like, it's cancer. Right. And, that, and that's why I thought it was always so interesting that, that you know, Ron Moore really just seemed to describe it as, like, this is character-driven. Like, it's in, a, it's in the genre of sci-fi. Like, that's kind of the setting and the wrapper. But this is really about the characters. Yeah. And by not having by by minutes being minutes instead of microns like they were in the in the original Battlestar and you know an apple is an apple a cigar is a cigar you know the big weapon is a nuclear weapon it it just takes all of that other stuff and it really just boils it down to like the characters instead of all of this you know all the techno babble right. of Star Trek which was cool in its own way yeah. but this was just it really allowed for a lot more emotion. And a lot more character than I think Star Trek, you know, the, the original series certainly, and 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 the next generation as well, just never got to that level of of character and emotion, right? Throughout all the characters, like I mean, you you got you felt like you knew Picard and maybe Riker and and some of those people on like Next Generation. I didn't feel that way about all the characters, right? Like all these characters in Battlestar, it was like. Damn, like I, I really feel like I have a good picture of who these people are, you know. And you, and you, you kind of expand on it the whole, throughout the whole series. Yeah, and and I think a lot of those choices they made in terms of, you know, like you said, like um, the the weaponry being something we can relate to the the things that you know, the cigars, the the food, you know, just just everything seems very grounded, you know. And 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 I think it played yes. very well. For that series, I you know if they tried to do that with Star Trek, I don't think it would work because I think Star Trek you know just has that part of its character is this you know very um, utopian like approach to technology and very you know hopeful and very and, and just you know everything is at at your fingertips sort of thing and make it so. I think the fact that they went a little more down to earth, you know, no pun intended, but but a little more grounded. Hey, I see what yeah. you did there. Um, you know, we talked last episode about, you know, the, the way that the Vipers and the, the Raiders, uh, which are the respective colonial and, and Cylon ships. Vipers up here. Great. The way they behave in space and, and the, gra- you know, the I, I always love how when when the fight, when the Vipers take off from Galactica, how they just kind of, you know, they go out straight, but then they kind of kick off on an angle. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. they, they have these jets that are like 360 degrees all around, all around the ship that they can use to kind of flip and do these kind of crazy maneuvers that you've just never, you know, you've never really seen in, in a Star Wars or a Star Trek setting. Yeah. And I think the thing is, though, all that grounding that didn't happen in Star Trek, I think J.J. Abrams tried to get some of that into the new movies. And it didn't go over that well with Star Trek fans. Like they didn't want that yeah. because Star Trek had always it, that utopian idea, like you had said, and you know, uh, such a bright, bright future. As soon as they started trying to explore some of the darker underbelly of that, I, I think people didn't respond that well because it just wasn't that thing. Whereas I think Battlestar Galactica, even though if you look back at the original series, it is. It is kind of this whole, oh, Adama is the, the beloved, 
you know, head of the family. He's the father figure. And even though he's he's a military commander, he's this benevolent person and this and that. There was no real there was kind of that quorum that that didn't do anything. And that but Adama was always good and, mm-hmm. and, and all of those things. Whereas here it's like, no, that wouldn't happen. Like you you don't want the military to have absolute control just as you don't you know you you want the people to be represented as well right and and that and that creates tension yep. and i and i think that was that just lent itself to that and the fact that battlestar galactica kind of only had that short life back then even though people were still interested in it right. it didn't have as much history as star trek does so they can they can do a few more of these things um but anyway we are we are like going way deep on that but that that episode is so totally worth oh, yeah. it because it is um it is it is one of the perfect episodes of the entire bunch mm-hmm. really i i don't know how you could have done that episode any better nope. so that now the next one will bounce over to my list because uh, this is episode three bastille day um so the synopsis of this as water riots break out in the fleet remember uh in episode two which was titled water uh, there was an explosive which blew up the Galactica's fresh water reserve, so water becomes very scarce throughout the fleet. Um, water riots break out in the fleet. Apollo tries to convince prisoners aboard the Astral Queen, what an unfortunate name for a ship that is, <laughs> to help with collecting the water. However, especially a prison ship. I mean, come <laughs> on. Uh, however, the appearance of a famous terrorist complicates his plans. And so this was the return of Richard Hatch, yeah. who was the original Apollo, mm-hmm. not Lee, uh, just Apollo. Like his name was Apollo Adama, I guess, which is kind of awkward if you think about it. Um, so he hated the idea of this reimagining, Didn't, was not a fan whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so this was made in, two, this miniseries was 2004, I believe, when it came out. In It was 1999 that he had tried to do um, the reboot, uh, which you had referred to earlier, Battlestar Galactica, The Second Coming. And he had uh, himself on board, I think the guy who played Ty, or was it Boomer, from the original series. And then they also had Baltar from the original series. Mm -hmm. And I think they were hinting at at a Starbuck return. So Dirk Benedict might have been, they were maybe trying to get him involved. The funny thing is, though, like Richard Hatch dumped a ton of money into this, made a trailer, poured money into it. He had none of the rights. Oh, really? He had none of the rights to do anything. I I, I don't I don't think he had even talked with Glenn Larson, who was the original creator. I don't know if he he talked to whoever owned the rights at that point or anything. He just he was trying to get something going and almost like trying to kickstart it himself. Like, hey, if it looks good and people will want it, and then they'll let me make it. And I guess he wanted like total control oh, wow. over everything. Interesting. So anyway, that just to fill that all in. So getting him back had to have been a pretty big surprise for anyone who kind of knew what was going on. Um, but even if you didn't, you just see all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, there's the original Apollo and there's the new Apollo. And then people would just pass out. How is the universe the not collapsing upon itself? I know. <laughs> Matter and antimatter. Dogs and cats living together. So this was one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, partially because, I mean, it's cool just having Richard Hatch involved in it. I mean, I, I remember watching Battle, the original Battlestar 
on USA Network on like Saturday afternoons when I probably should have been outside playing as a kid. I, I thought it was the coolest. So when he was in this, I'm like, oh man, this is really cool. But I really thought it was uh, something that was great that you didn't see in, and this is going back to that whole peaceful utopian place. This Battlestar Galactica showed you a world where, hey, not everyone is happy with the way things are going. There are people who are willing to commit acts of terror because they believe that the government is oppressive. And right. and then it started getting into like, hey, there's a prison ship. And then there's that idea of like, well, what do you do with the prisoners? And it's almost hinted at like, well, we could just, you know, and I think that was in I think that was in episode two that they first mentioned that. Right. You know, well, we we could just, you know, the guy who's hauling all the prisoners wants to know what to do with them. You know, almost like air quotes around do with them. And I think Rosalind at one point was like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. Like, no, we're not kicking the entire lot of them out out the airlock. Yeah. Which is funny because, you know, that she loved kicking some people out in airlock. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll get to that in a later episode. Um, I mean, some politicians like to play golf. Rosalind was like, I, I love to kick me a Cylon out in airlock, man. That's like a good day. Yes. Well, and especially when she started taking the medicine for the cancer. Boy, her, her decision making got real interesting after that. <laughs> oh, boy, yes. I mean, we're talking like, oh, yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Like Nixon's last days in the White House, <laughs> just walking around with a bottle of scotch. Looking for the nuclear football, Kissinger trying to hide it on him. I don't. That got real dark. Real yeah, quick. I'm I, sorry. I, I, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> no, but but me neither. But um, you know, again, they they touch on things that I mean, it, given an apocalyptic scenario like that, what does being a prisoner mean now? You know, it, it, mm-hmm. now that you're in this state. And, and th- you know, think about the luck that that must have, you know, played out there. You're you're a prisoner on a ship and you happen to be, you know, completely avoiding the end of the world as you know it. And, I feel fine. and, and basically just this idea of, Leonard Bernstein. you know, I, I found it really interesting that Apollo's perspective on all of this is to have them start to earn back you know, their freedom in some ways, you know, start like kind of coming up with this like point system to kind of say, you know, earn points and then you can earn your freedom. Um, yeah. And his father, of course, is dead set against it. It's like, no, these people are not. But, you know, again, given their scenario, um, it's just kind of interesting to, to think about how mindsets may have changed at that point, you know, and 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 I think when Apollo is confronted with um can't think of his name, Zarek. I can't think of his first name, um, which is Richard Hatch, ca- Tom. Tom Zarek, who is Richard Hatch's character. What's my name? I, I, I think part of how how that all plays out is is contingent upon the, the fact they're in this situation. I, I don't think his character maybe would have been as, you know, open and understanding as he ends up being in this episode in terms of, um, you know, he, he clearly has a plan of trying to take the ship over. But at the same time, you know, Apollo you know, pleads to his better senses and, and connects with him and, at some level. Well, I think also it, it, it opened the door for, for who Zarek ended up becoming. Yeah. Kind of that he, he could still be a wild card, but he that's a dude who also really wanted to be that kind of celebrity outsider. Yeah. Yep. You know, like he enjoyed the fact that he could still have this cachet to his his name. Right, you know? right. 
Um, cause he totally could have just like gone down fighting, but it wouldn't have worked out as well for his legacy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, and it kind of gave him some hints at, well, maybe, you know, I can wreak a little havoc down the line. Right. Right. But I just thought that episode was great because it really started to give you an idea of who Lee was. And it, and it, because the mini series, it was, it, the, he was completely unlikable. For most of the time, I mean, you you didn't you did not like Lee Adamo when he first showed up. Well, and and I think what they magnified in the pilot too was there was a very very clear um, rupture in his relationship with his father. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, like and, yeah. and rupture is not even the right word. I mean, they they clearly were in a broken place when he shows up, um, and we'll get to why in a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it, it definitely highlighted the fact that, that Lee is not just going to fall in line with his father, um, that he is thinking intelligently or, or, or thinking in kind of a logical way, um, given their circumstances and, and given this, the situation they're in. Um, and I think that lends itself to him being able to negotiate that kind of peace with this group um, to the point of getting them to agree to you know, I, I, again, the goal of the of really what was going on this episode was was getting them to a point where these these prisoners would agree to do the work that they needed to be done in order for uh, the the water to be kind of restored back into its you know the reserves to be restored back to where they needed to be, and that wasn't necessarily going to happen easily. So he his yeah. his negotiation and him you know not just you know following what Dad says um, ended up being you know, something that, that worked out for them, you know, for, for the better. Yeah. And it really shows, it really started, well, I mean, he already kind of, it's shown he had his own, his own mind, but it really just furthered his character of someone who isn't just going to fall in line with dad. And he's not going to just fall in line with even just the mil, you know, the military mindset, you know, because again, there is that military civilian split throughout, throughout Galactica. And the he doesn't it started to blur who he was as a character, which started to make him much more interesting than just kind of the unlikable snot. Right. You know, right. that he was. And and I thought that was it was it, it really it was a really interesting choice to have one of your main characters be this kind of like there were times when I'm when you're like, oh, I, I actually kind of, I kind of like Lee now. No, now I don't. He's a jerk. Now he's pouting. Now he's this. Now he's whining. It's like, oh. Right. And it's this character that kept, he was never quite settled anywhere. Yeah. And and I just thought that was so, it, it made the show interesting because if you go back to the original, of course, Adama and Apollo are usually almost 100% in agreement and if not, then it's all resolved at the end of that episode. Whereas with this one, there is vast tracks of the story over a period of episodes, over a season, where Apollo and Adama just are not seeing eye to eye and are at, at serious odds. Yeah. And I really felt like it kind of, this is where it might not have started completely, but this is where you really start seeing like, oh. And we'll get to we'll get to one of them. Uh, a little bit later on, I can't remember which episode it is. Well, there, there's that constant, you know, and, and it's not just specific to season one, but I think 
in season one, well, given we're, we're focused on it right now, it feels like it's more of a focus is just the, mm-hmm. the triangular dynamic between um, Adama, uh, Lee and, and Starbuck um, mm-hmm. and, and just all three of them and how each of the, the interplay between the three of them just seems to kind of play out across the season um, in, in this sort of roller coaster way, like like you said, you know, you have yeah, you, you you have, and we'll get into it in the next episode. But but you have Lee and his father at odds over this issue. But then, you know, when we get into episode four and five, which we'll seg into in a moment, um, that's when some of that gets repaired a little bit. You know what I mean? But but it's 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 because of the three characters in play and what and this kind of complicated history they all have. Yeah, so that's a great way to get into the next episode, and this is one that we have in common. Episode four, Act of Contrition. An accident, uh, no, yes, an accident on the hangar deck forces Starbuck to begin training new pilots, bringing back old memories of her training of Zack Adama. So Zack Adama, of course, Bill Adama's son, Lee Adama's little brother, and Starbuck's lover. Yeah. So what what did you love about this, like about this episode? Well, before we go there, I, I got to ask you, what did you think of the calamity that starts this episode? I thought it was actually, again, it was one of those things that to me was like, yeah, stuff like that would happen. Like just stupid, dumb luck on an old ship that was heading towards retirement. And then as they're adding stuff onto it, they're just grabbing whatever they can. So yeah, you're going to have old straps and buckles that just fail. Right. And and it causes a a bad accident, yep. and and now you're it's like you're just getting things are like worse and worse and worse. You can't catch a break. Like here you have this moment of joy, and oh well. Now those you like those characters? They did. They don't show this, but I I have I as I watch this play out, I just had this this vision in my head of when Adama gets the news. He just calmly takes his glasses off, throws them onto the CIC, just leans over. He's like, when am I going to catch a break? <laughs> Almost. You know what I, I mean? mean? It's like, come on. <laughs> but it, it it's, it is such a thing. Like yeah. stuff like that's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's horrific and it's random and it's stupid, but like the, the Sergeant at arms or whoever was investigating it at the accident is like, it's just an old strap that should probably should have been replaced. Yeah. But screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place. Do you have a replacement? Right. Uh, it's an old metal buckle that, yeah, it's it's just metal fatigue. Well, and, and they end up losing. It's, it's an old ship. They end up losing like twenty pilots, right? Uh, I think it was thirteen dead, and then it was like an almost ten but, wounded or but something. But it's a like fair that. amount to 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 the point where yeah. they've got to start scraping from the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, to to kind of get enough pilots in play to be you know um able to combat whatever the you know whatever the cylons throw at them whenever they see them again um yeah and and of course then we find out like you know starbuck is not only is she like the best pilot in the fleet she was also a flight instructor mm-hmm. and she is not only you know a flight instructor she's one of three and the other two are civilians yeah. so she is the only option to teach dogfighting to teach yep tactics to teach how to how to sh- actually shoot down another spaceship right. and that brings into this whole thing that happened with her as the flight trainer for lee's brother right right and and good go ahead oh, okay no I, I, <laughs> you go first um 
No, you no, go. No, I what I was going to say is that yeah, so so that the what what comes out in this episode and I think it started I thought back in the pilot where they started to refer to, you know, she had this relationship with his younger brother. Um Yeah, it was the mini series right before she went out uh at Ragnar. Right. Right. And she was going to go out and 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 see what's see where the Cylons were and she told Lee. Right. And you know th- that complicated history, you know, as we just talked about, plays out through the throughout this episode where she's struggling with that guilt of, you know, she she knows that she let her emotions cloud her judgment when it came to him. So so the way the story plays out is, Zach gets killed in a flight accident because he he really didn't have a feel for flying, as as she put it, and she knew mm-hmm. this. But as a flight instructor, and as uh, his fiance, she couldn't bring herself to fail him and so she allows him you know to pass and that leads to his accident and so when adama asks her now to train these um you know these these nuggets as she calls them um <laughs> the which is brilliant oh, because it's, it, it, it's right on the money <laughs> i mean somewhere somewhere owen hart was just smiling and like yes yes i'm not a nugget let the nugget flow through That's you right. So and actually, one of the things I I love about this, and I'm gonna say it because I'm I'm I, you're gonna beat me to the punch. I can sense it. So oh, I'm, I'm gonna beat you to the punch in another way. But go ahead. <laughs> but I think part of part of what makes this episode great, and what what I love is the the tension because we know something that Adama doesn't know, yeah, and that that two other characters know, and we're just waiting for the for like the guy who we know it's most important to to find out and. There's just this dance, and that tension is like excruciating at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes the episode. It just keeps raising the stakes. It just keeps getting more and more tense as you go along. That is exactly the reason why I put that episode where I put it. Um, mm-hmm. And as we talked about before we started recording, you know, it worked out, I think, for both of us that our list happened to be sequential. Um, I, I was looking for reasons to try to not make it sequential, but it just fell fell the way it fell. But but this one definitely is is a number two if if not a close number one because of that I mean that that tension plays throughout the episode beautifully I I appreciate the fact that they don't drag this out for the entirety of the season you know you 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 can yes. see and I've seen it in other shows where they have a backstory element like this that just continues to kind of rear its head and just kind of make you know make its presence known here and there and it doesn't get executed in a very uh, effective or emotional way and you know i used the term earlier rip the band-aid off they, they do a lot of that this season they they don't really oh yeah beat around the bush with a, with a lot of these these story elements they they raise whether it's in the pilot or early in the season and in this episode yeah it just the way the tension builds up and then you have that conversation between adama and apollo and apollo you know unwittingly oh yeah you know, he has no idea that his father has no idea, and and he kind of lets it slip, not not telling him exactly what, but just that he need, you know, that Starbuck, he just assumed Starbuck had told him about what had happened. That was such a beautiful dance oh in terms of dialogue, yep. a, a, a great, a just great writing to to not to not like ham fisted to do it in a fairly believable way, like to, to have Lee sitting there like. Oh my God! She actually told him, and he and he's reacting this way, right? And then to turn around, like, oh wait, no, 
I'm wrong. And you know, at that point, a Domino's something something's going on he doesn't know about, and he needs to talk. to Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the and the tough thing is, like you 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 know that you know Adam is a smart guy. He's not stupid. Right. He's not so bullheaded that you know he won't face facts. But he is so blinded by his feelings for Kara, by right. for his feelings for Starbuck, and that is kind of this weird dynamic that you talked about uh, with the previous episode. Is that Adama feels like Kara is more his kid than he feels that Lee is his kid. He has more warm feelings that you would want, that you would normally think a parent would have for a child yeah. towards Starbuck, than he does for his his actual son. And then you, and then the the complication in this is then you see him, you see Apollo kind of have a bit more of that relationship with Rosalind. Absolutely, yeah. And Adama sees that, and he then he's on the outside of it, and he don't like right, that. Right, right. Whether it's because he just wants his son's loyalty or he's he's jealous of the fact that they actually have somewhat of a parental relationship right but i think in that moment when lee spills the beans unintentionally i think adama kind of knows but he 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 won't let himself believe right. it because he's like no it can't be it can't be i won't believe it until i hear it from her and that's why he calls her in and and so that conversation to to me is is what makes this episode you know number two if not you know a, a very easy number one because th- that exchange between adama and starbuck how she at first tries to just play it off as what she's always you know kind of said is the story oh and did you notice you notice when when she comes in mm-hmm. how like childlike not childlike as in she's like acting like a child but she's acting like his kid right when he says he had been talking to lee and t- he told her about the her washing out the nuggets and the way she just says i knew he would yeah almost like what a what a sibling would say when they know that their other sibling had told oh yeah oh yeah and i i I saw that when i was rewatching. i'm like oh my gosh that is like brilliant that's and and that is just brilliant anyways well so so the exchange happens she eventually breaks down and tells him exactly what had happened and that she was culpable in this and, and and basically downright admits that, you know, she was the reason that, that he died, you know, had, had she not mm-hmm. passed him, he wouldn't have flown, you know, from that point on and he would still be alive. That scene was just an amazing piece of acting by those two. And, and the way that, that Edward James almost plays that quiet fury. Oh yeah. You can just see it on his face. Um, was just incredible. And it reminded me, and this is where I said I had a little something, something. I'm going to switch over real quick to, to um, another show that Ronald Moore, um, who was who executive produced this, um, worked on, which was Star Trek The Next Generation. Make it so, Mr. LaForge. Basically, the penultimate episode before the, the series finale in that show dealt with um, Picard and this character her name was Roe uh who you know throughout the series she comes in as this very very starbuck like actually you know very very wild mm-hmm. um didn't want to be in the really didn't want to be a uh in, in the federation that sort of th- or not federation but you know what i'm saying yeah i think i yeah she didn't want to be in starfleet it, it didn't want to be in starfleet remember who yep. the character yep. yeah and in that penultimate episode she goes on a mission where and i won't get into the plot but but really what it boils down to is picard is trying to carry out a mission and 
she is sympathizing with who he's trying to carry that mission out against. And she makes a decision at kind of the 11th hour to um, basically foil what he was trying to do. Um, and if you follow that that character thread with those two throughout the series, they develop a father-daughter sort of thing. Very, I mean, it, a lot of this is just very similar to what played out with Adama and Starbuck. Yeah. But at the end of the episode, when Riker comes in and gives Picard the report of what happened and, expl- and you know, really passes along this apology from her because she knows what she's done and how she's let him down and how she's basically betrayed him. And, and if you can find that, uh, uh, that clip on YouTube, um, I'll have to find the episode name and give it to you. But um, I think it was called Preemptive Strike, I think is what it was called. Let me see. Yeah, Preemptive Strike. Um, the way that plays out, I mean, Riker gives him the report, tells him stuff, almost like gets out of the ready room like, okay, this guy's going to explode. I'm, I'm leaving, you know, sort of thing. I mean, it, was, mm-hmm. it was kind of humorous. He just kind of steps away like, don't hit me, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, yeah. But the end of that episode always stuck with me because all it does is it pans from Picard's perspective looking at Riker. It pans around the room onto Picard, and he just has this stone face. And it was extremely similar to to what Adama did in that, in, in that, in that back and forth with Starbuck. I, I, when, when I saw that... I remembered that seeing that somewhere else and, and, and that was in that scenario with Star Trek, that was such a great way to end that episode because it just ends right there. You just, he says nothing. Picard says, you just see this look on his face. Like, you know, he, he's just, he's lost something, you know, um, and he's yeah. been betrayed. And the same with Adama when Starbuck and, you know, she breaks down, she, she sees what in his face is going on and, you know, she just breaks down and runs off. Um, it was just such an amazing scene. Oh, yeah. And and I think, oh, man, I, there's so many. One of the things I noticed going back and, and kind of rewatching a little bit of this one was usually, I mean, Starbuck is, is the brash, you know, fighter pilot, just so cocky and just all up in your face and is not really afraid to, to go toe-to-toe with anyone. And in this episode, she backs down in a very distinct way, twice. Yeah. Uh, the first time when she starts to get in Lee's face uh, in the ready room, and he tells her back off. Yeah. And she do, and she does. She like physically takes a step back because it is again it's that very quiet sort of thing. Even though she was just giving him so much crap and trying to lay it down to him, and and he just isn't having any of it. And then that moment with Adama in his quarters where after she's breaking down and you can tell she's just hoping that he's just going to understand and, and give give her a hug or something oh, yeah. and just when he, and you like you just said he just plays that quiet fury like Adama is a dude who if he's mad at you he'll yell yeah. if he's really mad at you he's going to get quiet <laughs> and that's when it's frightening yeah. like terrifying yeah. and just when just that line of you know walk out of this cabin while you still can, and, and that's saying something given their relationship. I know, you know it, I mean, like, and you, and in that moment, I legit would believe that if if she tried to challenge, said another yeah. word, he might have like just hauled off. Oh yeah, and then just when she walks out, and this is what I love about Battlestar. I just love how they they just had these little moments of character like they would hold on the characters just a little yep. bit longer than a lot of other shows would as she's walking out and you just see her put her hand on her head yeah. 
as she's almost like pulling at her hair like she's just she can't she just doesn't know how to process what just happened. It's, it's a daughter disappointing her father. I mean, and and this is this episode, and then the next episode. Um, honestly, like I, just from the time this uh, that I start, started watching the miniseries all the way through, yeah. like Katie Sackoff, who plays Starbuck, I was just amazed by her. Acting. Oh yeah, I, I think she is a great actress. I I was actually. I was disappointed because I heard that she was actually up for the part of of, of Captain Marvel. Oh, really? <laughs> and and I now I mean as as good as Brie Larson was, like I I she did a great job. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen seen Katie Sackhoff play Captain Marvel. Yeah. Although in her defense, she actually said, eh, "Good guys aren't as fun as playing bad guys because you get to have a more interesting character." Which like I totally get that, but right. dang, I would have loved yeah. that. But anyway, she was so good in that. Uh, Edward James almost just throughout the entire series yeah. is just money in the oh, bank. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean he he plays he he plays an Adama that again the the series you know one of the, one of the ways I would sum this series up is is even though it's sci fi it's grounded and he brings to the Adama character there there's wisdom and and then we'll get into this into the into the next episode. Um, but he's i mean they're they're they all i hate to say it this way but all the characters kind of go through this fluctuation with with who they are and while he is a man of character a man of integrity um and and knows that he he's really you know kind of running the show militarily to keep this civilization going um he's flawed you know and and you know starbucks is starbuck is flawed apollo is flawed rosalind is even flawed they're all flawed in some way and but but the, the the way they bring it out um and and really in in this episode you know he had that that righteous fury going because his son is lost because of a poor choice that she made but yet she is someone yeah. that he loves as much if not more than his own son and yeah. um and so the way this episode ends which is very ironic where she's out there just you know and and really he he can tell already when she's out there. She faces this squad of like what eight Cylon Raiders, yeah, and she just goes at him. And you can already see on his face like he's regretting that conversation because he knows now she's just in her head. She's got nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, and I would actually go one further for from you in saying that with as far as the characters, I I I think at some point not just in this season, but throughout the series, and, and some of the characters multiple times, every character gets torn down to, like, the foundation. Oh, yeah. Like, they just get leveled. Yep. And you see them at their absolute, like, bottom. And that is, that is honestly, as, as, uh, as a writer, that's tough to do. Yeah. Because writers, you, you kind of, you like your characters, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, that, and I've heard Stephen King talk about it. I think even Ron Moore talked about it in some of the in some of the uh, the commentary tracks, but it it really is like inflicting some serious like pain and suffering on your characters, like more than what you would ever you know wish to do, right? And and to rip those rip them down and just show them at their worst is is hard to do and hard to do in a in a good way, in a believable way, and in a in a way that. You're not just kind of pandering just to do it to do right. it, but in a way that then illustrates who they are yeah. 
is really tough. And they did that to, to every character, I think, that in the, involved. Like, it, almost down to, like, even the, some of the deckhands got their moment. Right. Of, of like showing who they were but like all of the characters not just the main characters but the secondary and and even like the third level characters all got just leveled at some point right and it's it's kind of crazy to be able to do that on with with as many characters as you have involved right in this in this story well and 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 that's the grounding i, I mean i think you know that's that's the human condition. I mean, I, you know, I just was thinking of this now, but you know, the, in the pilot, the very first line that is uttered is when number six first, you know, walks down the hallway in that, um, diplomatic oh, area. Yeah. And, and what's the first question that she asks that, that guy, she's like, how do you know, are you alive? How do you know you're alive. And, and, yeah. and I think, um, what they tell throughout the, throughout the series is the, is the story of how, you know, as, as, good as these characters are we, we all go through this we we make our mistakes we learn from our mistakes we build you know we we reconstruct from those mistakes and we are stronger and and hopefully better you know if we've learned anything i mean sometimes that doesn't always happen <laughs> unfortunately but yep but if we learn from what we've done um whether it's you know hurting someone or just making a mistake then we move forward and we we're wiser about you know uh, who we are and i think that's that's you know kind of at the core of what, of what they the story they're telling with these characters and and this episode especially was just you know this this basically you know coming to terms with the reality of a situation that pa- Apollo Adama and Starbuck just hadn't dealt with yeah and and all right so we're we're again we're, we're we could just talk about this episode for probably an hour so let's let's get on to the next episode which is connected which is kind of funny when I to, to see like that to be continued i'm like they're all continued like, <laughs> this is episodic tv <laughs> like they they this is again another one of those shows that as as ron moore said in one of the the commentaries like we wanted to make sure that we showed the damage like someone doesn't show up the next week and they're all healed up like if they got a black eye last week it's still going to be a black eye it's right maybe it's healed a little but you're still going to see the scars and the and the ship is going to look progressively more beat up and and all of these things like they so it was it was very conscious and visible mm-hmm. how this every episode just built on the others and it was it, even though it was episodic there wasn't like oh hey we went into stardock and and repaired everything so everything is shiny again well and and yeah. i wonder if you learned that from star trek i mean that that's what you just described there. i think it's a rea- I think it's a reaction to Star yeah. Trek because obviously, uh, when you're when you're writing for Star Trek, and and Ron Moore was just a writer when he first started on there. Like, here's the guidelines. This is how you write for Star Trek. Yep. You don't get to write your episodes. Like, maybe you can work in some of your stuff, but no, no. This is what a Star Trek episode is. Right. And and that's no, you don't get to show the bathroom. We don't do that. They, no, you don't get to show this because we don't do right. that. They, they they did it a little bit with Picard after the Borg, and they did it with him after um, there was a a, a two parter they did where he was um, he was captured by the Cardassians and tortured. Mm-hmm. But it was really Picard. They they never really you know if any other character got got you know the crap kicked out of him. Usually the next episode they were fine. You know it was just yeah back, back to the same off we go. You know um, yeah. And I wonder if that was a if that was a thing Patrick Stewart really fought for. Maybe because I mean yeah he he's I mean he's a proper actor, 
you know, stage actor, I'm sure he wanted a little bit more meat to the role and, and wanted some of that. Or if that was, you know, someone like Ron Moore getting more involved and, and, and as they're, as they have tenure, if you yeah. will, among the writers and, and get to and have more clout, they get to say, hey, no, we ought to do it this way. And I think at what point did did Gene Roddenberry pass away? He, I mean, he. It was somewhere around. I, I think it was before they played out the Borg storyline with with Picard. I think it was around okay. uh, like early season three. I think is when he passed. And and that at that point, Ronald Moore was a writer. Um, and I, I don't want to diverge too much, but but one point, you know, I just want to bring up is the the episodes that followed after his recovery from having been transformed into a Borg was. Um, him going back to France to see his brother Picard Mm -hmm. and basically ending up in a mud puddle with him kind of toward the end of the episode, just breaking down and, and just sobbing about how he had no control. And I I remember watching that episode thinking like, you know, those are the things, at least for me, I mean, we we all get kind of hit by different, different things hit us a certain way. Um, but what a brilliant thing to do, because up to that point, he has just always been the stoic, strong captain. And you see him broken, you know, um, yeah. after after this this event and, you know, going into this next episode where Starbuck. So, I mean, I guess we should say that, you know, Starbuck gets shot down at the end of the episode. She she wipes. Up. Yeah, that's right. We we should probably include that. Well, huh? she she and I think it was Hot Dog um, knock off most of the Raiders who is uh, Edward James Almost's son. Oh, is that his son? I never realized that. Yeah, that was that's that's uh, that's Eddie Almost's Oh I, my gosh. I, I it cracks me up when people refer to Edward James Almost as Eddie because I'm like I don't think even if I had known him for years, I would have to still refer to him by all three names. I I, I somehow think if I ever called him that, I would get that death stare that he gave Starbuck. <laughs> oh yeah, you'd be done. Walk out of here while you, you just, still can, kid. <laughs> Worse yet, you would just be lit on fire spontaneously. <laughs> like his his glare, I'm sure he could have dialed it up more, but he went easy. Oh my gosh. You know? He only gave he only gave like Katie Sackoff like a seven point five. If he'd gone all the way up to <laughs> ten, it would have been like Cyclops just <laughs> just shoot out of his combustion. eyes. And just oh my gosh. Turn you into a pile of just ash. Right. It would have just been Um so yes, Starbuck gets shot down at the end of the episode. Um, well, kind of. I mean, she manages to take out the Cylon. It's a tie. Yeah. And then the yeah. Cylon takes out her ship. So th- then the episode ends with her bailing out of the Viper and watching the Viper and the and the, and the Raider uh, and her spiral down onto this kind planet. of plummet. Yeah. Uh, and so now the the next episode, which was uh, number three for you and was uh, also number three for me on our list. You can't go home again. As Starbuck attempts to escape the barren moon she has been stranded on, Adama and Apollo risk everything to find her, putting them in odds with Ty and Roslyn. Yep. Um, This was really interesting because, again, this is right after, I mean, almost immediately, hours after, Mm -hmm. Adama finds out that, yeah, by the way, your kid is dead because I goofed. Like, I didn't do it intentionally, but I goofed. Now I'm responsible, and now you're dealing with that. And now, immediately after, you get to see the lengths that Apollo and Adama will go to for Starbuck, yep. even though she's just put them both emotionally through the ring. Oh yeah, yeah. And just and and just that idea of family, like even though they are a totally dysfunctional family, they're family. Right. Right. And yeah, you you see a total change in in Adama. Um, not only 
most likely based on that conversation and, and the guilt that he's now feeling. Um, because, you know, clearly he's come around at this point where, where the anger he feels toward her, you know, given what she shared with him is, has quickly subsided in terms of, you know, is she dead or not, you know, and, and, and now yeah. they have to go and do this, this search. And it, it, what I, and I, I'm sure you, this is what hit you as well with it is I, this is really the first time we see Adama um, I, and, and really in 33, he, he did not break down this way mentally. I mean, he, he just was tired. But in this yeah. episode, he starts making all the wrong decisions because oh, he totally. is just so emotionally blinded by the fact that he um, will not allow Starbuck to die. Um, yeah. They're on a I mean, how, how much oxygen it almost does she have? In- like 40 hours, 48 hours, something like that. I forget. But but but, but they're and on they're, a countdown she, timer with her oxygen. Yeah. And and I think it it almost be it it starts getting into it goes past that idea because I mean there's this idea of you don't leave anyone behind, especially in a in a, in a military setting, but you even have uh like for instance the the thing that came to me today when I was thinking about this was uh you remember the the movie The Perfect Storm. Oh yeah. Yep. And I I had read the book, uh, which is also a fantastic read. I think it's actually better than the movie, uh, mostly because it has a lot more information and then it also follows up a lot on the kind of the postscript aspect of the story. Um, And it also it's wider in scope. It really gives you an idea of the size of what's going Mm -hmm. on. But the the Coast Guard rescue swimmer who was lost in that rescue operation the search for him was the largest naval search and rescue operation in American history. Oh, really? They literally searched for this guy for for weeks uh, and 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 utilized more, uh, you know, more assets than they had for anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. With the idea that like you don't leave someone behind, like and and the idea of this person is so highly skilled, like if anyone can make it. This guy would like this guy was experienced. He he was good at his job like he was like the best of the best. And it's it kind of gets into this moment of that with Starbuck. Like if anybody's going to make it, it's going to be Starbuck. Mm -hmm. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Starbuck. And that's why along with the residual guilt and the emotion and the attachment and the and the family like bond that Adama and Lee are willing to 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 totally defy the president, to defy other people on the ship mm-hmm. until it, until it like you're, you're heading into a territory where it almost becomes like saving private Ryan. Like more people are going to die right. than you would save right. in order to just save this one person. Like multiple people will die in order to make this happen. And you know, it's, I mean, not, not to jump too far ahead, but, but I suppose we need to move things along. But um, as, as you were saying, now nah, we'll just make this like a three-hour. It'll be fine. <laughs> For a three-hour tour. You know, there, there's a line that Rosalind has in there um, and challenges Adama when um, when Adama f- fires at her um, the line of, of how we don't leave people behind. And she's like, uh, yeah, we do. And we have. <laughs> you know, like they have had to make some very pragmatic decisions. Um, they abandoned uh, – you know, back in the pilot, they abandon um, a fleet of, of spaceships that could not do the, you know, the light speed type jump that all that 
you know, the other ships could do, and they basically left these people to be slaughtered. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Well, even before that, yeah. though, I mean, you have, or well, in, around that, you have when Lee gets to a, well, Colonial One, whatever it's called before that, yeah. and then it becomes Colonial One. He's telling, Lee, when Adam is telling Lee, like, get out of there, come back here, we got stuff to do, leave them, right. leave them. And then when they get to Ragnar, the Anchorage, they're gonna leave the fleet there, and they're gonna go out and fight, right. and 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 lose completely, lose brilliantly yeah. because that's the entire Cylon fleet out there that just kicked your butt, not like but a day or two ago, and now one battle star, like the oldest battle star, is gonna go out there and just get destroyed. Right, right. He's willing to leave people behind, and and Rosalind was the one who didn't want to, and now she has to turn around almost like in the miniseries and be like, I, I can't believe that I'm the one who has to keep telling you this. Right. Yeah, she, she's like this voice of reason when they lose perspective. Um, yes. And, and in the pilot, it wasn't so much that Adama was, I think, emotionally, you know, shaken the way I think he was in this and, and you can't go home again. Um no, he was just pissed. he was just, yeah he he was he was just angry and he and Ty were ready to wage war and she just is like she looks at them both and she's like guys we've lost it's yeah. over you know there there's there's no fight going on here we're gonna get our tails kicked if you try to go out there and do that and yeah. and or, or what was it at one point where she someone said you know the tactical situation and she's like the tactical situation is that we've yeah. lost isn't that right. <laughs> And turns to Apollo, and Apollo's like, uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're done. We're, we're pretty much, yeah, tail tucked. <laughs> Game over. Game over, man. Game over, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what's funny? Uh, so, uh, again. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Random. Uh, I was watching Apollo 13 uh, with the kid last mm-hmm. night because mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? It's time. We got we to gotta start watching some of these mm-hmm. flicks. And... And God love him, Bill Paxton, man. I was like, what, what a career! Yeah. Like, game over, man. Yep. Like, you were, uh, what was, what was his, uh, what was his name in, uh, in Aliens? I can't remember. It was something oh, really. Like, I don't remember. Easy. I gotta look it up. Anyways, but he was like the he was he was. So you have that. You have the older brother in Weird Science. Remember Chet? Oh, that's right. Yes. You stood, buttwad. Then you have Twister. Oh my god. Yeah, look at those Pilatus. And then you have Fred Hayes in Apollo 13. Again, like Tiny Lister is again one of the <laughs> Like some of these people are like, why would you have made any other movies? Like that's perfect. Oh that is gosh. a perfect IMDb yeah. page. Just call it a day. Oh. Like you you have won life. Yeah. Yeah. Um but anyway, so he was known as yeah, Private anyway. Hudson in Aliens. Yes. Private Hudson. Game over, man. And then I just I just remember that point where they're in the drop ship and he's like somebody wake up Hicks. <laughs> and that was no that was that was Sergeant Apone. Look into my eye. But uh but anyway anyway so we got to get back to Battlestar yep. Galactica because we're getting our sci-fi all mixed up. Um, but yeah the that episode to me was was such a perfect follow. up mm-hmm. I don't yeah. I, like I don't know how else you follow up act of contrition unless you do you can't go home again. Yeah. And then and, and of course. Again, I'm I'm totally in the bag for a Starbuck heavy episode because just watching Katie Sackoff act opposite a prop <laughs> Cylon Raider, I'm like, 
Not since I'm Tom in. Hanks was stranded on an island have I seen such. <laughs> exactly. Like, that was her Wilson. Like, she's talking to it and stuff. Oh I'm like, I'm, I'm totally buying this. Totally buying well, this. And, and it was kind of a brilliant move on their part that woven into this um, where, it, you know, the story is largely about, you know, Adama and Apollo and how they go off the rails and, and, and Starbucks surviving. But it starts to reveal some information now about the Cylons. Like she approaches yes. this ship and she's thinking she's just going to crawl into this thing, jump into a seat and fly it. And she, you know, she opens a door and she's cutting through this membrane and she goes in and she realizes this thing is organic. Yeah. Which yeah. completely oh, threw I mean, me for a loop when I first watched it. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's like just again, such brilliant writing to be able to throw that in as I mean, it's a major plot point of the episode. Yeah. I mean, we've we've concentrated mostly on the other stuff, but to to come up with that idea and then just to weave it into the story and to and to do it so beautifully was was amazing. It just it seems so natural just to the way it was woven into the story. I, I just I I, I love this. Well, and, 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 and it's it. a theme that starts to play throughout the different seasons where we come to understand how this version of the Cylons came to be that there is this something technologically got broken through at some point where it went yeah. from it being just hardware to it being some mixture of of hardware and organic. Um, and yep. so, yeah, but I mean, part part of like what I really liked about this episode, too, was just, you know, the, the way she kind of figured out how to fly the thing. Um you know, just kind of stepping on random, like, you know, veins and stuff like that. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> okay, this is power and this is uh, roll and this when, is And God. then in, in like, <laughs> what was it? Uh, it was, uh, it must have been like, well, it must have been either episode six or seven when she's going and she's trying to explain to Tyrrell. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> step on the and, blue and vein reading, <laughs> to get power. Yeah, and he's reading the thing. He's like, grab the, the, the pussy thing and then squeeze this <laughs> and all that. And I'm like... And I'm laughing, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, that's exactly what it looks like to me. That's like how I would have written right. it. I don't. What else are you supposed to do? Yeah. You know. So that whole thing, that whole episode was great. And then, of course, you have the feel-good kind of reveal at the end, right. which was so well done. Yeah. You know. Yeah, where where uh, she flies in. Yeah, I mean, it was great when when Apollo he's getting ready to shoot the thing down. Um, well, yeah. So so she gets the silent raider going. She gets out, and you know. Um, flies toward them and Paul's ready to shoot her down. And of course she, she's too darn good of a pilot. So she maneuvers herself yeah. around and then she's flying in formation. With him. And he's like befuddled yep. at that point. He's like, uh, why is this thing flying in formation with me? Yeah. And then, then flips over and of it's, course there's Starbuck right, right at the bottom, which right. I'm like, I, I thought that was just cool. And, and then, and then the, uh, you know, and then, you know, of course at the end there, there's the, you know, the scene with Adama and her where, you know, he, he makes peace with her. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, overall, I mean, probably our description isn't doing service to it, but, but. Oh, no, it totally way, isn't. Even if you've watched it, you've, you, you should, you should go watch yeah, it. Yeah. You, you have to watch afterwards. the two episodes, but the, the way they kind of wrap it up and, you know, again, going back to Rosalind, I mean, just that her, her whole, you know, it was just funny. It was like mom talking to the boys who are, who are misbehaving, you know, get, getting Adama and Apollo to kind of see that they had just gone off the rails. I mean, they had spread the fleet out. They, I think they even said they depleted the fuel reserves by like half. So they, they've basically wasted half their fuel looking for her. 
And then the funny part is, after all of this, after all the closeness and the, the, you know, kind of the, you know, willing to abandon Starbuck, then at the end of the season, all of a sudden, now she's willing to, you know, Starbuck is kind of someone that she goes to. But we'll get yeah. there. Well, and, and one more thing I just want to call out real quick is is just the interplay between, you know, I mentioned Adama and Starbuck and Apollo and how they affect each other and how you know, Apollo and Adama have this exchange where he's kind of asking his dad, you know, would you look for me the way that you looked for her? I mean, I'm not saying it the oh right way. Oh my gosh. And, yes. and he, and he yes. has that great line where he's just like, you know, I would, if it was you out there, I wouldn't stop looking sort of thing. Like, like, yeah. like just kind of giving Apollo that. Well, it, it, I, validation. Believe, I believe the way, the way, you know, he says, you know, if that had been me, would you have stopped looking? Or would you? What would you? Would you have stopped the search or whatever? And he's like, and it, just the way that the way that Edward James almost plays that, like just this, like heartbreaking, like like you can you you know that he knows he's not the greatest dad, but almost in that moment, that recognition, like, oh my God, you you don't you don't know, right? And that moment of like, you know, I believe the line was, you know, if it had been you we would have we would have never stopped right, right. or we would have never stopped looking or we would have never left or something i would have never left or something like that like I, that was just oh my gosh i i i got to admit it got a little dusty in the room <laughs> that line i was just, that that broke me yeah. man i could if i watch if i watch that now i would cry like a baby cuz it's i'm i'm as i'm getting older i'm much more likely to get emotional yep. Yeah. Um, so anyways, so fantastic episode. Let's move on to the next one, which is one of yours. Uh, this is episode eight, Flesh and Bone, which was one of the ones that I was about ready to add onto my list. Uh, but the synopsis is Starbuck interrogates a captured Cylon as Rosalind begins to have strange visions of the same Cylon. Yeah. So what was it about this one that you, that you liked? Well, it, it, what, what I, I mean, to, to, to sum it up in a, in a nutshell, it, it, it was a, you know, you mentioned enjoying Starbuck heavy episodes. This was one of them. Um, she mm-hmm. was uh, commissioned by Adama, who I'm sure looking back is probably ruining the day he did this. But um, <laughs> they, they they find another copy of, um, what was his name? Le- Leoben? Is that what his name was? Leoben. Le- Leoben. I think it was Leoben. And he yeah. is, like, each of the Cylons have a particular characteristic that I think is their strength. You know, um Six seems to be very much about love. Um, well, I don't know if I would say love. Well, aspects um, of love. It's, <laughs> oh, it's a lady. Lust might be a little bit more. Very true. Very true. Which is, I mean, the funny thing is, like, Trisha Helfer, who is who played Six, I don't. I think she'd had like a couple of minor. I think she played like a body, like a literal like corpse on CSI or something. But she hadn't had a lot of acting gigs before yeah. that. She was a model. Oh, interesting. And she was like one of the. I think she was like amazing in that show oh, yeah. as an actress. Oh, absolutely! Um, and just being able to play just that sultriness, mm-hmm. but yet just also terrifying. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> at yeah. the same time, yeah. And, and like there was one one episode where she goes off on Baltar and like all of a sudden just like like pounds the bulkhead or something next to him, and I'm like, oh dear god! <laughs> I know this is on TV, but I'm scared. Like, guys, you don't want to make her angry. Um, 
No, but, uh, you wouldn't like her when she's. But angry. yeah, like so for her, it's 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 love, and and it seems like for her character, she's always pursuing love. You know what I mean? Like like it, yes. you're right. It, there is a, a lust aspect to it, but it's it's pursuing love, and then Doral is just downright psychopathic. I mean, he he just wants to just kill everything. Um, and then you get to um Leoben, and and he's kind of more of the philosopher, in 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 a way. You know, he he's in this episode, he talks a lot with Starbuck about. Um, her her uh, role in this in this grand plan. Um, he's almost like Loki in a way. Like he is, yeah. he's very good at deceiving and and really turning people around on themselves. Yeah, and and what Starbuck does throughout the episode, torturing him. Um, you know, we talked last episode about like Batman and and that that kind of impotence that comes out when Batman's just pounding on the Joker and he just doesn't cave. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that with Leoben. I mean, she's. She's almost trying to prove, you know, everything she talks about with him is about how he's nothing but a robot and nothing but a machine. He's not real. And it's almost like she's trying to prove it to herself as she's going through it, you know, and, and he and he yeah. just doesn't react to her the way that she's expecting. Um, there's mm-hmm. that one moment where he proves everything he says is, you know, is true about who what he could do to her when he just kind of like all of a sudden breaks the cuffs and just flies at her, you know. Um, yep. And just you know shows how how uh, ruthless he could be. Oh, and that that scene is so brilliant because he's like, he talks about how he could you know I'm gonna do th- I could do this I could do this I could do this, and it would take me less time than it's taken me to tell. Oh yeah, her. yeah. And she's and she's of course cocky. She's like yeah, you know why don't you or something like that. And he says I believe he says it isn't the time. <laughs> and then there's that dead couple like two seconds, and then all of a sudden the hands come up and yeah. <laughs> There go the cuffs, and it's like he does exact. I mean, it's like, yeah, holy crap! Like that that pause was so. Oh good. yeah, like because yeah. you you're just thinking like, okay, they're gonna cut. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> run, Kara, run! Well, and and throughout the episode. Oh wait, you, you busted up your yeah, knee. Right, right, hobble, Carol, right. hobble, hobble. Here's your cane. Go. But, you know, throughout the episode, there's this thread of, of him having planted a, a nuclear bomb on one of the ships. And so that's what they're trying yeah. to contend with. That's what she's trying to get out of him. Um, and then you have Rosalind, who has started to take this um, this medicine. I think it's called Kamala Extract or whatever. But it's for – it's kind of like yeah. a, a – I forget the term. Um, what would you call it? Not, not organic, but it's, it's a way of treating the cancer without, you know, the standard kind of way of treating yeah. cancer. But it's also a, it's also a hallucination. It's also a hallucination. So she starts to have visions of of him having never met him before. Um, and I thought it was brilliant the way they started the episode, where she has this dream where she's in the woods, and she sees yes. him, and he just gets kind of like sucked away all of a sudden, um, and she doesn't mm-hmm. quite understand what it means. And then as the episode plays out, Rosalind gets more and more tired of of his games. Um, you know, she tries to plead with his humanity. You know, in terms of helping them. And when he doesn't, and or when he reveals to them that there is no bomb, this was all just a ploy. Um, you know, she she's miffed to say the least. But but then he drops the real bomb on her, which is he whispers in her ear that Adama is a Cylon, and yeah, she just like so good. And she, that you can just see. I mean, that was again great acting. Um, you know, right there with with her, just you can see that she's just shaking to the core. Um, Mary McDonald. Oh my, uh, Mary. Uh, no, shoot. Uh, Mary. It's not McDonald. It's probably McDonald. No, I it's. Am, I think it's McDonald. Are you? Are you I'll, sure? I'll to, I'll I'm, I'm going to look it up because. 
honestly, I I feel horrible because number one, we Mary McDonald, N N E L. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I feel horrible because we follow her on Twitter. <laughs> hi, hi, Mary. Um, <laughs> like she's ever gonna lower herself to listen to us. Um, but I mean, honestly, just on a that's side gonna note, be the like, coup. The that, 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 that's gonna be the coup. Getting one of them on the show. Oh, are you kidding? I would. <laughs> I take Sasinus at this point. Like the dude, you know. Oh my gosh! Not not there's anything wrong. I thought actually I, I thought it was so all those deckhands again. This is and I'm sorry because I just know way too much trivial crap. But like uh, so Tyrrell, uh, what's his what's his face? Um, Aaron. Uh, something or rather. We're, we're showing uh, our real fandom by having no idea who any of the cast are. Um, well, no, I Aaron Douglas. Aaron, Aaron Douglas. Douglas. Yeah. I, I, this. I mean, it's a huge cast. I mean, trying to keep all these names, you know, straight is is tough. And honestly, uh, you know, you've you've binge watched over the. I mean, I know this. I know the story, but it's not like I've I've watched it recently. I think it was like a year ago, yeah. year and a half ago, when I binge watched everything, all the all the way through. Including uh, Razor and the Plan and mm-hmm, all that, so mm-hmm. um, which are fantastic, even though they're kind of like these add-ons. Oh, the, the they're, they're still fantastic. The Plan is one we should probably do a show on too, because that oh, totally. What 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 a genius thing to do. We're gonna now tell retell parts of this story, but from the perspective of the Cylons. Yes, that that, that was genius. Yes. I, I I thought that was just just fantastic. Um, but apparently Aaron Douglas would make up names or would would actually make it a point on the day while they're shooting. He would call different people who are just supposed to be kind of like extras mm-hmm. and, and, and give them a name <laughs> so that then they would actually want to use them in other scenes. So it, like, it helped to prolong some of the deckhands character, like Sasinus, yeah. because he was just like deckhand number three. And it became like, oh, your name is Sasinus, and I'm going to call you that, or or whatever, and That's stuff funny. like stuff like that was kind of cool. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I mean, yeah. Oh, if we could get any of these <laughs> folks. On this, like, but again, they're going to look at us and be like, "Yeah, that's real." <laughs> We've got. There's actual Battlestar Galactica podcasts yeah. that draw real viewers. <laughs> Yeah, not you guys with your cute little, you know that that orange background logo. That's yes. nice. Oh yes, y- you guys are so cute and you're adorable. Are those wrestling masks? Um, no, never mind. Um, yeah, but so anyway, um, yeah, that that episode, the, the, just the overall cast was amazing. Oh, yeah, because yeah. uh, Mary McDonnell, excellent, and even Leoben. Like, I mean, that 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 actor, I which I I just clicked off of that page. I have no idea who he is, but he was he was freaking fantastic just in playing that yeah. character and playing that almost like morally neutral character of yeah whatever uh callum keith Ren- rennie is his name wow i looked him dude, up dude that's a maybe we can get callum on the show that dude was you know that could he be in character could you like <laughs> would you mind coming on yeah yeah i totally want to yeah, scare that, the crap out of me thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but but it, it that that episode was so good because, like you said, it's it's that impotence of the interrogator. Yes, like yeah. especially when you're dealing with someone who's like, I got nothing to lose. Right. Like even if I am out of range of being resurrected, whatever. If it's if it's God's right. will, whatever. And and 
that's a frightening place to be when you're dealing with someone like that because what do you do? Right, right. And you know, what do you do with that? That, that was an interesting little detail they kind of introduced because it, it started out as kind of this minor thing they were toying with during this episode, talking about, you know, you're out of range. And it wouldn't yes. be until I believe it's in season two we start to understand a little bit more about how these Cylons are resurrected, so to speak, and, and what that looks mm-hmm. like. And, um, yeah, so so that, I mean, it was just a fantastic episode, top to bottom, and then you know, and then the ending reflected the beginning, where uh, where you know Rosalind is is ordering um, you know <laughs> the first of what would be many orders uh, for for Leoben to go out the airlock. Gotta go, gotta go. Um, and at that point, you could see that Starbuck has this connection with him. You know, like like he he yes. has connected with her. And um, and of course, that that will play out in its own way as we get into, you know, season two. Um, and yeah, like this almost like a Stockholm. Well, I don't even know if that's Stockholm because Stockholm is like the the captors begin to identify with their cap. The captives yeah. identify with captors. Yeah. What I, I don't know what the other way around would be. Right. I really should have prepped. Well, better. and well, and the, and the other small detail that comes out of this, too, is he in a way kind of prophesized to her about. The fact, like, it was really interesting at the end of the pilot, you know, it ends on this hopeful note because Adama claims he knows, um, or all, you know, all the commanders were, were given the coordinates for wherever this mm-hmm. other Earth is. And, um, but we don't ever hear about Which that. total BS. What's that? <laughs> Which is total oh, BS, yeah, yeah. we find out. And, but we don't ever hear about that in the first, you know, in these first, like, um, seven episodes. And it isn't until this episode yeah. where... Of all people, it comes from the Cylon, where he's like, "You're gonna find, you're, you you guys are gonna find Cobal, and that is going, you know, Starbuck. You are gonna find Cobal, and that is what is going to lead you to Earth." Um, and so he's yeah. giving her wh- whether you want to consider it a mind, you know, k- kind of messing with her head, or it's him sincerely kind of telling her like, "You're gonna play this role." Um, it starts them down this path, which eventually is where you know season one kind of ends up. Which is again is. It's a such a great episode, and the way that they, I feel like they did this a lot, where they would they were able to, you know, kind of give you a little bit of a glimpse ahead, then bring it back, and give you a little glimpse, of, and and they fill in a little bit more information each time, yeah. and it's just done so well. Oh yeah, so well where you, you almost, uh, then again, I'm I might be an exception because I, I'm the kind of person. I don't. I don't know. Uh, do you try and figure out movies as you're watching them? Um, yeah, sometimes. You know, I, I. I'm kind of. I have that kind of mind where I'm kind of thinking about the chess match that's playing out in front of me, and you know what the different moves could be, and so forth. See, I. I don't do that, and I. I. I mean, hey, maybe it's just being simple-minded. I don't know, but I. When I go to a movie, or I, or I, or I, I read a book or I watch a TV show, I really, I don't try and figure out what's going to happen next. Like, if I find myself thinking of that, I know I'm either reading or watching something that is really bad. Because I, oh, interesting. If, yeah. my brain, if my brain kicks into that, it's because I am bored out of my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas I just, I want you to show me, take me on the mm-hmm. ride. I don't want to, I don't want to figure right. it out. I don't, you tell me, show right. me. Show me, you tell me and show me how it goes, yeah. and then I'll judge whether or not you did a good job. Um, I don't want to try and figure it out before it happens. So maybe it's just me. 
Um, but I just love how that happens because as they would do that, as they give you a glimpse ahead, they give you a glimpse over here, a glimpse over here, and then it just draws together. Yeah. And I would have that moment of like, oh, wow, really? That's how, oh, my, oh, man, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> like there was, there was times, and again, I, I watched this. I didn't. I watched very little of this live, like week by week. I would get it because we didn't have cable, and and I would watch it um, when the DVDs came out. So I would avoid at all costs any discussion or any posts or anything on social media or anywhere about Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. So that when a when the half season episode would come, box set would come out on DVD, I could just binge the whole thing. I remember there were there were times in in episodes I would be on the couch and I would stand up and I'd be like, what? And my, and my wife comes downstairs. She's like, what is going on with you? I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, you are insane and need medication. I'm like, more than likely you're correct. Oh my God. But then if you listen to previous episodes, you'll know she came around and she was doing the exact same thing. So I felt vindicated. Um, but it, it, it's a it's a great thing for a show to take you on that ride, and I feel like Battlestar Galactica did that so many times. Oh yeah, yeah. Just delivered. Oh, I mean, they're like they're like UPS man. They just deliver and deliver and deliver and deliver. All right, we got to move on to another one because we yep. are. I mean, we are running hopelessly long at this point. But let's just try and make sure we don't wind up having to split this up into two parts. <laughs> um, so we just covered Flesh and Bone. The next one is on my mm. list, uh, which is the following episode from Flesh and Bone. Episode number nine, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. Tie being T-I-G-H, a reference to Colonel Tie. Uh, the synopsis for this is, as Rosalind investigates the possibility of Adama being a Cylon, Ty receives a visitor from the past. Oh, it's a lady. And I'll spoil that for you right now. Adama finds his wife. Um, which is pl- th- the thing I love about this episode is this is about as close as Battlestar Galactica ever got to like a full on comedy episode. That, that That is exactly what I was going to bring up about it. I, I watched it last night and um, it's hilarious. The isn't music. It? It's it, it's not even just what's playing out in front of you. But if you listen to the music, yes. the music is even like this playful so I mean, it's so like out of character for the show. <laughs> we we haven't even mentioned the music, and and Bear McCreary, who oh is my the, gosh. the guy who yeah. has done the music, he is amazing. Oh, yeah. Like even just the 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 like the the theme song, mm-hmm. which is really just like it's not so much a theme song. It's like this like weird kind of chant and drums, and it's just like holy crap. Like the, it was so great and atmospheric, but like, yeah, the, the music for this episode is just—it's so out of left field. It, it, it really is, and I, I'm actually glad you said something. Like, I—I I, I meant to mention this when we started, but, um, but great point for bringing it up. Um, the music, especially—I beat you especially, to it. Yeah, you, you know what, my friend, you—you you have your moments. Um, One point. <laughs> um, I'm still down by like 22, but I'm hoping for a that's comeback. That's all right, you know. I'm, uh, Make you feel good about yourself. No, um, but oh, that's that's kind of cold. <laughs> I got to admit, but I deserve it. But, but what is your thought about? I I think it was a very interesting choice of music, especially the theme music for the show, where you have this science fiction, high tech kind of um, story that you're telling. Um, mm-hmm. and and we've talked at length about how it's grounded, nonetheless. 
but but what are your thoughts on the fact that the music itself is very tribal you know very very unlike what you would think a science fiction show would have i think it it works on so many different levels and that's and I'm always I'm always a little bit wary of going into the whole oh well this has so many different levels of intended meaning blah 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 because I remember sitting in, and I don't even know if you had the same teacher in high school because we went to the same high school as well as going to the same college but the uh, we just followed each other around basically <laughs> Bas- yeah it's we're, we're, really worked at the same job when we were in college <laughs> I'm really just a stalker. <laughs> I've been playing the long game. I think you were in service merchandise before I was, my friend. (laughs) 20 some odd years. Um, But anyway, so, but when you discuss Lord of the Flies, do you you remember when you had to read that in in high school? Not a bad book, but I remember remember someone, uh, the the English teacher saying, oh yes, there's eight distinct levels of meaning. And even in high school, I'm like, that is a bunch of crap. Like, and it, like maybe there's eight levels that you've come up with and that other people have come up with. I guarantee that the writer who I don't I've, I don't even remember who wrote the damn book at this point, um, but they did not intend that many layers. They might have intended a couple, but you're so reading into all of those different layers, yeah. which I feel like when you're talking about like the this i the idea you have to be careful with things like this because there's definitely layers that were intended mm-hmm. and i think the idea that the music is kind of like this tribal or because you're dealing with the 12 tribes the 13 right. tribes really of of you know of of man but also like the idea of like war dramas mm-hmm. like this is a this is a drama that takes place in a war setting like it's sci-fi but yet it is we're dealing with a war setting. Right. There's, an, there's an enemy and there's a resistance. Well, and, and, and mm-hmm. I was even looking at it, too, from the fact that when you think of the big franchises, like, you know, Star Trek and The Next Generation has a very mm-hmm. orchestral theme. Um, Star Wars has a very orchestral theme. Um, yep. I just thought it was a, a really nice, you know, choice on, on their part to um, come up with something that was just so different. You know, like, it just... When I wonder... Go ahead. I wonder if that's a if that's if that's another one of those Ron Moore like this is what I came from. I'm going the other direction. Oh, absolutely! Like yeah. whatever is 180 degrees from that, I'm going. Yeah. And 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 it totally works because there there's uh, you know especially when you look at the the different layers that exist in the show from a uh, um you know we you know we talked about and we we haven't gotten into it too much here because it it doesn't play out too much right now but the. The spirituality that you know, and, and and the religious overtones. Oh, that's a um, that's a whole other yeah. element too. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. all of it plays to the fact that it, even though this is taking place in space, it is very much, um, you know, a, a story of, of, about an exodus of sorts. You know that that happens for for yep. the you know the remaining survivors of of this civilization, and and it just has that kind of. Um, feel to it and so um, I just remember when I first started watching it I was just the music kind of caught me off guard at first but then it made sense you know as time went on and I was watching more it just yeah it just kind of fit you know and so anyway so I I I got off on a digression on that but I was just curious what your thoughts were when you were when you're bringing up music well I think it's 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 great because I wouldn't even I wouldn't even necessarily describe it as tribal I describe it as like primal yeah oh yeah yeah because I mean that's got to be one of the first instruments right I mean you have it you have a you have a a, you have a heavy thing and you hit it on this other yep. thing. Yeah. 
How how much simpler can you get? Um, and just to have that, and and to have, of course, they're like, oh, yeah. like the kind of the chanting, and like, but again, that all ties into like the idea of like a haka in right. like uh, New Zealand culture, like you're, or, or even in a uh, in different northern european cultures where you'd have like a battle cry and you know in 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 the civil war the rebel yell and hey that ties into the to the bourbon um (laughs) that's that's kind of weird because i totally did not plan that that's not a deep cut ladies and gentlemen um purely coincidental although we will take a a twofer we will take a sponsorship. Dave, make money, money, make money, money, money. Just saying. Uh, so, but but there's always that idea of like that kind of primal, like you're you're trying to psych out the enemy, but you're also psyching up yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, like when you when you see like these grand charges in in war movies, like everyone's yelling because you're trying to get yourself going. You know, and that idea of like the drums and the you right. Know, and it is, and it is so atypical from a lot of sci-fi right right series and and movies i think that's great and then then to go even in this this episode and it is so different it is very cheeky. it, it, it like, stood and, out and to it, me when i was watching it last night i i was yeah. thinking to myself this music is just very playful and i'm not <laughs> i I'm, I'm used to it being serious you know <laughs> it's a, it's like this is totally different, you know because i mean you start off with with a suspicion of adama by by Rosalind. And of course they play that out in the CIC and they they're up on like the third level of the CIC, which is another one of those things that I think is great about this show is that like you feel as though everything is real. Yeah. Yep. Like you you look at that and you're like that is that is a real place, that is a real set, that is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And 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 the the music really isn't it isn't playful there. Like it is, it is a tense scene, but at the same time rewatching it like three or four times, it becomes a little bit more playful right. as, as you watch it and you don't know, you, you know how it plays out, yeah. you know? Um, but then you also get, which I think was one of the, one of the great kind of like, man, it wasn't even like a B storyline or even a C storyline. It was like a D or an E storyline, like the whole Billy and Duwala dating. Do you remember that? <laughs> Yeah, and Billy was always an interesting character because he, like, I always felt like, was this this guy's first acting job? Because I always felt like his his face was always flush. You know, <laughs> it seemed like yeah. he was like, like, does this guy have high blood pressure or something? He's gonna fall over in a moment's notice. You know? Well, and the funny thing is, with a lot of those char- with a lot of those characters who were just like, they were day players. Yeah. They they were they were in Vancouver. They were Vancouver actors, and that was a lot of them. That was their first real yeah, gig yeah so yeah that was probably his first like tv and gig. it's funny that, that um, this boyish looking man is you know basically the advisor or the assistant to the president basically he just happens his totally. way into it. <laughs> he's not he's not like the he's not the vice president but he's like secretary of state yeah 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 he is he is her closest advisor and and in the first in the miniseries she's like you don't know anything about women <laughs> No, no, he and, does and not. That whole, and that whole thing with Diwala, where he's just like he is a total putz. He has no idea how to deal with, and and Diwala, who was such an interesting character, yeah. and and not to get too far ahead, but like season, I think it was season three. Yeah. I think I know where you're going, but go ahead. 
messed me up. I'm I'm I am not even not even and, and people who've watched it will know. Messed me up for like three days. Oh, I, a- absolutely. The 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 way I, her story was the weirdest. Yeah, the way her story plays out was very. It was the weirdest yep. thing. I've never had that happen with yeah like a TV show or a movie or anything like that. And it it did. It messed my head up for yeah. days. I, it it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I'm like, am I getting a little too into this? <laughs> Binging much? But I mean, it just built so much character, and that's what I was talking about before. With like even like the the not even the B, but like the C and the D level characters, yeah. they had depth. Oh yeah, yeah. They they had just so much depth. It was like every scene was a like a high def photo. Yeah. That you could just keep on zooming in and zooming in and zooming in until you got to like the grit underneath someone's fingernails, yeah. man. It was just there was so much there. Yeah, and so he's he's working her for information. Adama yeah. is you know he's showing this odd behavior, which of course coupled with the little nugget that Leoben left for Rosalind has got her on high alert. You know. Yep, and then all of a sudden it pays off with. You know he shows up on a raptor, which is like the weirdest thing ever because we haven't seen. Adama do anything even remotely close to this yep. and and he's got this woman and it's Ty's wife yep. Ellen who everybody thought was dead right um, and who I believe they had to kind of go back and retro like retcon her photo into yes the, the mini I know because originally I noticed that in the pilot it, the the photo the, the pilot I watched recently the photo was different yeah it was David, I believe that was David Ike's wife okay. in the in the pilot. And so then they when they go back, they they, they do have the with the, the photo with the cigarette yep. with the cigar burns yep. on it. It's it's actually it's Ellen, the actress who played yeah. Ellen. So then Ellen lands and within like five seconds of being on Galactica, she's wreaking havoc everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. And and Adama even says it best uh, at one point in the in the show. He's like in, in the episode he's like um you know, she she's always brought out the worst. In, oh yes, in I've got the actual quote here because he says, uh, and this is the dinner scene, which is like, oh my gosh, if there was like, I I couldn't even put it in this in in with all of the great like if, if we had to break down like the greatest scenes mm-hmm. in Battlestar Galactica, which it's not it's not the usual thing that you can do this for a TV show. Where you could then say, hey, about the best episodes, like we're going season by season. Right. And we're and we're now talking for almost two hours about season one, our favorite episodes. We could go through the entire first season and go into our favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. At least, at least I could, and I'm guessing you could because you've you haven't fallen asleep no, yet. No, not yet. Um, or drink or drunk yourself into a coma just listening to me ramble on. Never. Um, but in that scene where Adama says, you know, he used to bring out the self-destructive streak in the yep. guy. And there was like a quick little beat, and Apollo's like, used to? <laughs> and at this point, Adama, Lee, and Rosalind are all cleaning up after the dinner party that's just been like a complete fiasco, yeah. and they all stop. <laughs> and then they all go back to picking stuff up. It's just they don't even answer yeah. it. Like there's just that moment of pause, and I believe even, even the music cuts, and it's just silence, and they're all like, oh, crap. And then they just keep, they start getting themselves busy again. I'm like, oh my God, that was so brilliant. It, it, it made me gut laugh when oh, I, yeah. every time I oh, see yeah. it. Um, 
the other one being like so so right away she gets tied drinking which is like totally his achilles heel and and he was and he was weaning himself off i mean he was actually you know yeah. as, as the episodes have been playing out they had looked at you know they had focused on his alcoholism and how he was you know trying to control it and, and you know he, he had this bottle that he was working his way through and and i think at the beginning of the yep. episode he just pours the rest of it into the trash can well and, and then I mean, even point. in the miniseries yeah. Like in the miniseries, the first time you see him, he's drunk. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's walking around with a coffee cup full of yeah. booze. And then Adama at one point is like, it's good to see you without the coffee <laughs> cup. <laughs> yes, that's right. But doesn't mean it in like a sarcastic way, like as a compliment, like, dude, you're pulling yourself together. And, 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 and you see in different points in the first season, like, because originally you're like, why the hell would Bill Adama have this guy? Why would right. he keep this guy around? And then I think it's the time when... Uh, you know the hangar bay is on fire, and they have to close all the all the doors, mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna seal people in, and they're going to die. Yeah. And and um, and Tyrrell won't make the call. Right, right. He's he he just wants thirty more seconds, and Ty's like, close them now. Yeah, he he sobers up real quick when he needs to. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's decisions like yeah. that, and then there's other times when he when he like he's like scramble the 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 right, fighters. Right. When everyone else is like, no, no, everything is fine. He's like, no, do it. And he and he saves their oh, ass yeah. several yeah. times. And you start to realize, like, oh, this is why he keeps him yeah. around. Like, he might be a drunk and he might be a complete douche. <laughs> but he actually is good to have around in a yeah. pinch. But now you've got his, you've got now a complete wild card. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's, she's getting him drunk. And then they go to dinner. She's playing footsie with yeah. Lee. She's like... And and not even like in a subtle no, way. No, no. I mean, she's practically <laughs> falling out of her chair when he finally stands up, and he's like, "I gotta go." <laughs> yeah. And then, then they then they start talking about the any one of us could be a Cylon. Right. And then another pause, and then she does a boo, and everyone jumps out their freaking <laughs> drawers. <laughs> which again is is a it's it's great yeah. because it's like a jump scare right. even as a viewer, and then you laugh right. because you're like, "Oh my gosh, they got me." Um, oh my God! And then, and then you get to the point where uh, then they're in the then they're in Baltar's lab, which poor Baltar has been going through this whole thing throughout the whole episode, like just samples and going back and forth, like stop Adama's test, start yep. Rosalind's test, start Rosalind's test, and going back and forth. And then they get to the point where he's like, you know, there's no fighting in the laboratory, right? And he says, <laughs> "That's right." And he says. This dangerous compound, that's a thermonuclear bomb for frack's yes. sake. Yep. And it, it so reminded me of um, uh, Dr. Strangelove, mm-hmm. of, gentlemen, there's no fighting in the right. war room. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it was such an interesting kind of twist. Um, I mean, it's not a twist, but it's it's a, uh, I don't know what you call it, like like just a different rhythm that they're playing with, with Baltar in this episode because – you know, you you completely forget in this episode. Like, here's the guy who was really the, the the bringer of doom upon the civilization. Oh yeah, here's the guy who caused caused the entire like he was the weak link in the right. chain, and now he's the one who's like, what in the crap is yeah, going and, on? Yeah, and, he, and he's getting and he's getting jerked around by Rosalind and Adama. You know, he's getting a call from her. Yeah, like, get Adama. You know, so he he's ordered first by Rosalind to get Adama's blood test done to determine if he's a Cylon or not, and then Adama. Yep. Um, brings uh, and Adama, of course, being cagey as he is, is already you know thinking that that you know uh, Ellen is is a Cylon. Um, so he's having her tested. 
Um, which is great because then after they after they leave the dinner party, her and Ty walk off, and Rosalind has that great line of like, "You think she's a Cyan?" <laughs> That Which is absolutely hilarious on two yeah. levels because you're like, yeah, totally not. But then you, you learn what you learn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then everyone's like, I just don't know anything yep. anymore. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, but that whole thing back and forth, and then there's that one moment where where like Adama and Ty look at each other, mm-hmm. and then they look at Rosalind, and Rosalind's like, all right, but anyway, yep. yep. Oh, it's, uh, just yeah, it's 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 a fun episode. It's it's very different tone. Um, yeah, it feels the, different. I think that, you know as you go through it. I think the funny thing, one of the things I remember was uh, Ron Moore in his in the commentaries was mentioning. He's like, we never realized how funny Baltar was. Oh yeah, un- until James Callis was reading him, and then we're like, oh my gosh, this guy's hilarious. Yeah. Well, and and even <laughs> the ending of that episode where he's having um, the the, yes. the the vision of six, and they're they're basically. Um, just spinning yeah, around, and, staring and he, into his, his, his eyes. His arms are up like he's holding her, and he's just spinning around while the the other parties are just kind of talking to themselves. It just it looks like such an insane scene at the end. It's really funny. Oh yeah, it's just it's so it's like a it's a complete farce. Yeah. It's beautiful, and the and also the funny thing is, I feel like they actually managed to get themselves out of um, a bit of a corner that they might have painted themselves into with this whole Cylon detector thing because they had right. they had teased it a couple times and they tried to do something with it and then here they just like hey everybody gets green now so it's just much easier and Baltar has rigged the system so he just doesn't even have to worry about right. it and now you're like oh yeah now the Cylon detector is out of play because otherwise it would have been really easy for someone to like slip in and be like hey I'm going to run this person's hair through here or whatever and find out like Oh, hey, crap! Ties a Cylon or whatever, right. which 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 is S- sorry, spoilers. Which is interesting um, because it's either in this episode or the prior one that Boomer gets tested, and you yeah. you you're led to like and 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 she comes up positive, right. and he manages to change the results because of of what Six is telling him in his mind that, yeah. that you're, you're, she's going to jump at you and kill you, and so he changes it. So what's funny is he actually has a working detector. But then he uses it in a way where he's just not bothering to actually. He's just going to make sure everyone's not a Cylon, basically. Is exactly so. It's it's because, really kind and, of ironic the way they do that. And that's what's great about Baltar is, and, and again, another guy who who he gets broken down a couple different yeah. times. Oh yeah, and you just you you kind of see him go from this morally like so morally flexible, like whatever is most expedient at this moment, sure. Or whatever is going to feel the best at this moment, yep, that's what we're going to do. And he then, you know, progresses over the seasons to like, you know, this other person, and it's it's kind of amazing to see that character grow like that. Right. And again, that's one of those things where I feel like, and I know there's a lot of people who, and and just looking at some YouTube videos over the past couple of days, um, talking about. You know, Battlestar, the the two different versions, and even like then the Richard Hatch, like mythical third version that might have been, but wasn't. Um, talking about how, oh yeah, well the first version was so much better. It's like no, I that never would have grown the same way. You never would have seen these characters grow. It would have been the same old, same old, same old, same old, same. Right, right. And that's ultimately why it kind of, I mean, a, a huge budget, of course, didn't help, and the, and the fact that they got thrown into a, a real rush production schedule, right. but. 
they, they at that point in time in TV history, you couldn't do the things that you could do when this right, happened. Right. You know, and you couldn't do an episode like this. You you couldn't really do an episode like this. Really, even before that, like you couldn't have done like an NYPD Blue episode where it's like, hey, guess what? This is going to be the comedy episode. <laughs> are you are you fracking kidding right, me? Right. Um, all right, so we got to we got to keep moving because we are we are moving. Well, no, we're not moving. That's the so problem. Tie me up, tie so, me down. Uh, comedy episode. That was that was fantastic. That was episode nine. Now we're going to bounce back to your list for your fifth episode. Uh, this is episode 10 of season one, The Hand of God. The synopsis goes, with the fleet running desperately low on fuel, the crew of the Galactica begin to plan an ambitious operation to capture a heavily guarded Cylon-controlled Tilium asteroid. Yes. I mean, and, and honestly, that is a sentence that Gene Roddenberry would have been proud of. <laughs> so, Gene Roddenberry, George Lucas, and uh, Steven Spielberg. If if you happen to have a beverage right now, pour one out for Gene because he would have loved yeah. that sentence because that was that had some seriously decent techno babble in there. Um, so tell me what was it, what was it you loved about the scene this uh, this episode because honestly this was like this would have been like my five B. Okay, yeah for for me um, I think I slotted this where I did mainly because um, it was the first episode of the season where they much as the description you, you just read, they they don't shy away from confronting the resource limitations of their situation. Um mm-hmm. the, the the writers I mean and then and then they being the actual you know the characters of the story, you know, just kind of going all in, realizing that look, if we don't achieve this, we're gonna be dead anyways. Um yeah. and, and it's and and so what what I really liked about it was it was very um you know, as you were talking earlier about not knowing what's going to happen in an episode. The very first time I saw this, um, you know, you, you don't really catch the sleight of hand that goes on with the the plan that Starbuck has laid out. And yeah. and it was really kind of, uh, it was really a, a, just a neat way for Adama to both, to, to use both Starbucks and Lee's strengths by having, you know, Starbuck be the strategist and think outside the box with how they would approach this this issue. Um, of, of trying to take, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for the first time in this series since they've been attacked, they are going to now attack the Cylons. And, um, yes. and, and with, with the prize being this, this asteroid that has the, this mineral they need to then power their ships for, they said, years. Um, and, and this is one of those cases, I mentioned this the last podcast, that this is one of these kind of convenient things that they kind of write to, to get them to a place where we can kind of not deal with this resource limitation anymore moving forward because we, you know, they, they achieve the goal, they get it. And, and, and now they have as much fuel as they need for the next few years. So, so we're. Oh, totally. I mean, and it's a shortcut. I mean, you, I, there's certain things that are wired into our brains yeah. that I think we're like, Oh, okay, that's settled right. for now. Right. And then you, you, there's just, and, and people say, Oh, well that's so trite or whatever. It's been done. It's like, well, it's been done for a reason because it works. Right, right. It, it, it just registers with our brains in a satisfactory way and allows us to, to move on to something right. else. And, you know, so so the whole playing out of this, the, the way that, that Starbuck is the strategist and, you know, they, they kind of focus on her struggle doing what Adama does every day and, and him kind of mentoring her and saying, you know, it's it's hard it's it's hard to make this transition. You know, she she's really 
you know, fr- from the beginning of the of the op, she's you know she's seeing the the failure start to unfold in front of them, and she's like, I need to be out there. I need to be doing this. And and you know, he's just kind of trying to teach her to trust, you know, and 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 have faith in the people you put out there. This is this is where she has like the leg press. Machine, oh, right? that she I was going to get to. Yeah, no, good call. Oh man, that scene it, it is so stupidly simple. I mean, it, it's so stupidly simple. Just saying, you need to be able to do this in order to do this, and and showing it in a physical, real world. Hey, you can go down to your local Planet Fitness, yeah. and this is exactly the machine that you'll be yep. on, and demonstrate that. That was so brilliant. more of that grounding, more of the. This is the force that's going to be acting on your leg as you're, you know, flying. It's it's giving us a sense of what flying a, a, a viper is is really like, you know, and and well, yeah, and it makes it it makes it actually make you understand like there is a physical aspect yeah. to this. It's not it's not just like it's not a video game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like there is like as much as you can move around this way and that way and but actually adding in that physical element because there is that physical element in in an atmosphere like you need to be able to sustain this many g's in order to do this you need to be able to muscle i mean it used to be like you you had to muscle the airplane around right, right. and things would get heavier as you got closer to you know the speed of sound and yada 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 i am not smart enough to understand this i've just read Chuck Yeager's biography a hundred times and and <laughs> I have some accumulated knowledge somewhere in the back of my head. So don't take this as gospel. We'll try but not to. At I know it's so hard to. Um but uh the idea that there is a physical aspect to this, you know, amazing spaceship that can go in any different direction is is such an important thing because it's like, oh, it reinforces not everybody can do right, this. Right. It's not like you can jump in like the shuttle from Star Trek Enterprise and if you can operate the food replicator, you can probably figure out how to fly the shuttle because it looks kind of like the same controls. Like, oh hey, bum, 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 right, right. Computer, take me to you know, Aranon five. Okay. Yep. You know, I mean it's like here it's like, no, you gotta do stuff. Right. You know, especially in the older Vipers, yep. you know yep. what I mean? So I thought that was such a brilliant way, and it's, it was such a great way to just, like, very quickly and easily be like, you ain't going, and here's yeah. why. And, and and like you say, just to tie her to that, you know, it's a really reverse the roles. Yeah. I mean, Lee is, is much more of the cautious person to put him in the position like, hey, you got to do this, and don't frack right. it up. Well, and, and, and then the way it all plays out where you, you know, they, they describe what their attack is going to be, but then there's not some of the details provided to us, the viewers. So you start to see it play out. Yes. And you, well, because which makes perfect sense because who's, who's a Cylon. Right. right. Such a great way to do it, to, to hide it from the viewers, but also do it in a logical reason. Like why wouldn't you tell well, them? And, and no? as a viewer, you're not, th- when, when they start to roll the plan out and the Galactica jumps and then they start to launch the Vipers, you're not thinking about the fact at least I wasn't when I was watching it last night. I wasn't f- picking up on the fact that nowhere do I see Lee. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking this is their this is their plan playing out, and it's about to fail. Um, I mean, not last night. I know how the episode plays out, but but I forgot about some of the detail in there. How they they are hiding? Um, they're essentially hiding a, a squad of Vipers in one of the ships that were meant to be a decoy. 
But then, which is which? Two great things there. One, when they say everything is on the board, yeah. because because technically <laughs> it is. And two, <laughs> do you know? Do you remember or did you notice the ship that they hid the Vipers in was one of the ships that they copped from the old series? Oh no, I didn't. That is one of the ships that they grabbed. It was oh, like, interesting. It looks like a bunch of shipping containers strapped to like a Saturn V ba- rocket. Basically, yeah, that's what it looked like. And you're just opening a is shipping it, container, and there's like you know seven seven Vipers, you know, just sitting there. But if you go back to the old Battlestar Galactica, like 1978, oh, wow. that is one of the ships they grabbed. There was another one that was like it was a bunch of it was almost like film canisters, yeah. you know, skewered on a rocket like a like a kebab. <laughs> <laughs> But there was a couple of ships that they grabbed for the purposes of the fleet as, as kind of like an in-joke, but also as like an homage to the original yep. um, series. Because uh, even though Glenn Larson got an executive producer credit on the new Battlestar Galactica, excuse me, Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. he had nothing to do yeah. with it. Like nothing yeah. to do with it. Um, so anyways, but I've, I I just wanted to point those two things out because... I, I yeah no them, I, so. I hadn't realized that at all I just I, I just saw those ships and I'm like I don't remember seeing them in any of the the fleet you know flybys that they do and you know kind of in the beginning of the episode but you kind of have to look closely yeah. I, I believe that one was in there a couple okay. times at least I I might I might be imagining yeah. it. um and then the the only other thing was just the 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 maneuver that that uh Apollo does um where he, you know, their, their initial strike doesn't, you know, they're, they're not able to fire at the target, Stay on the, way target. the way they need to unless they do it manually. And he finds this kind of backdoor way, We're too close. Um, which, which again yeah. just kind of underscores just how cool these Viper ships are with, with just this 360 degree sort of, you know, jet maneuvering they have where they can just kind of flip on a dime. Loosen up! And, and so, you know, he, he ends up, uh, I mean, very much in kind of a Luke Skywalker-ish kind of way, drop, drops the bombs on, on the target to kind of take out the Cylon facility. And then they, um, they, they basically, uh, you know, for, for the first time in the series, they, they have launched a successful offensive, um, uh, you know, small as it may be in terms of what they were facing, but, but, you know, large nonetheless in terms of how it has enabled them to survive. Why do you call me shorty? Because you're small. Small. Um, yeah, and and the fact is that it was something that Starbuck would have totally. Oh, done. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Th- this was very and, much and it, Apollo, you know, being Starbuck. Yeah, and the funny thing is, like, but you look at it, and, St- and and Apollo is is a really good pilot. Like he is when he shows up in the miniseries. He is like people are like, oh wow, it's an honor to be flying with you. Not just because he's his dad's son but he's really freaking good oh yeah i am the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be i mean even rosalind says to get the call sign apollo which is one of the gods you must you know one of the sons of the gods i should say i believe um i can't keep my my greek or roman <laughs> is it well, I can't even keep any of that straight I'm, I'm totally turned around but anyway but someone must have thought very highly of yeah. you yeah. To give you that call sign or to allow you to have that call right, sign. Right. He's a really good pilot. Yeah. But what's always separated Starbuck and him is that Starbuck is good and willing to take it right out to the ragged yep. edge. Like as far as you can possibly go and then maybe even a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And and Lee has never been willing to do that and he does in this episode. Yeah. 
and I thought that was great and and that and that Starbuck has to kind of sit back and watch but yet she gets to play such an important part yeah oh absolutely and and that's not even mentioning the whole thing with 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 Gaius which lends itself to the title of the episode the hand of God like he basically just randomly points out right (laughs) oh yeah here because he's the Cylon expert right Right. yeah and, and and it's almost like reduced to a minor point you know, I mean, it's 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 the title, yeah, and it's it's a crucial part to how the episode plays out. But it 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 plays out in the background, and he he kind of, you know, you talked about his moral flexibility. I mean, I I, I mean, we we didn't talk about it here, but I I found it funny with the the six degrees of separation episode where he's put to the test. You know, just you know, kind of making fun of, you know, six yes. is God, and and he and she. Disappears. Right, disappears. He goes through this whole, you know, issue of being accused of what he actually did, um, and then at the very end of the episode, when he's when he's you know declared his his faith and belief in this, um, you know, what is he doing? He's running up the stairs after her, looking for a little you know fun time. You know, so it's like it's yeah. like what oh. have you learned? <laughs> you know, it's like more more. He learned he got away with it yes. that time. Yeah, why so. Not? It's, you know, party so, time. So, so, I mean, in this episode for yeah, him. Yeah, we're going to have some cavassier <laughs> and. Uh, the love line with all the right responses oh to your gosh, romantic but, queries. But, yeah, that I mean, uh, that would have easily been one of my. that If, if it had been a top ten, that would have. E- well, I mean, <laughs> then it would have been almost all this season. <laughs> but that was that was like I really struggled. Yeah. Whether that should be my fifth episode right. or not. Um, but as it was, my my number five. So we jump from uh, episode ten to episode thirteen for my fifth episode, which is Cobol's Last Gleaming Part Two. So and I uh, might have gone with this twelve and thirteen part one and part yeah, two. Yeah, I, I, I might have gone with this. I mean, in, in full disclosure, I didn't actually get to watch all the way through. So maybe had I watched it, I, I would have slotted this instead of Hand of God. But please read the description, sir. In in the words of. Marty McFly's principal, you slacker. So the political crisis between political, I think I stretched that into three syllables. I'm sorry. The political crisis between Roslyn and Dama forces Apollo to make a difficult decision as Starbuck returns to Caprica on a mission for Roslyn. So this one for me, like, there is so much going on in this episode. So much going on. I mean, you have Crashdown, Baltar, and uh, and 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 Tyrrell and company crashing on Cobol. Mm-hmm. You have Starbuck uh, jumping back against orders from Adama on orders from Rosalind back to Caprica. You have Hilo and um, so what are we calling? Uh, so is it Hilo and Boomer? Caprica or, or, Boomer. Caprica Boomer at this point because I it's really hard for me at this point to really di- until they went to Athena and Boomer I really had a hard time differentiating yeah. you know Sharon uh, who Sharon right, was right Hilo uh, and Boomer on Caprica and then Adama and Rosalind basically like facing off to the point of like Adama launching a Raptor with a strike team to go and arrest Rosalind yeah. that's the first half of the episode. <laughs> I was watching this today and I'm like 
Dear sweet Moses, we aren't even halfway through the damn episode, and we've already got a coup. Yeah. Flashbacks to Caprica. We've got people landing on the holy planet. Well, no, I'm sorry, not landing, crashing. Yeah. We've got Starbuck defying orders. Uh, I mean, there is so much going on in this episode, which is just insane. Like, it's insane that all of this is happening well, at and, once. Well, and when you think about it in the context of what we just talked about with episode 10, it's and, and, I, and I forget how much time is passing between these episodes, but you go from 10 where they have this amazing victory and they're all unified to what you just described where now everything is breaking down. Game over, man. You know what I mean? Like like like, yeah, like so the I mean, relationships between them all are just now getting really strained. Um so so just to fill in. So hand of god, everyone gets uh they get the fuel. Uh everything is going hunky-dory. Then you have Colonial Day. Um so quick synopsis on that to celebrate the anniversary of the Articles of Colonization, Rosalind reconstitutes the Quorum of 12. However, the election of Tom Zarek Richard Hatch jumping back mm-hmm. in there to the quorum creates a political crisis for Rosalind. Yep. Um, and then you have 12, uh, episode 12, which is Kobold's Last Gleaming Part 1. The discovery of the lost birthplace of humanity causes a split between Rosalind and Dama. Well, so, I mean, yeah, in, in, in the span of a couple episodes, things go to hell real well, and, quick. And isn't part of it, just because you, you've, you've watched it and I'm kind of flying a little blind on this one, wasn't part of it as well that Rosalind is starting to go deeper and deeper down more of a religious path or, or more of a vision-based yes. path well, than, than the way she was yes. before, which I think is what's causing tension with Adama. And, and she's identifying herself as the leader with the, um, the terminal Right, from, from the prophecy, right. That is prophesied. Yep. And, you know, again, all this has happened before. All of it will happen right. again. And, and between, you know, the... Um, Alosha, who's the the priest, mm-hmm. I, I I believe it's called the priest yep. from Geminon. I, I remember I remember the most random stuff. I couldn't tell you who Alosha <laughs> was. Honestly, she was fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that actress because she had so few like minutes of screen time to really get across that character. But yet you, got but she that was character. impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Very much so. Yeah. Totally. And that was and and I bet I I would bet you good money. Um, well, no, I don't have good money. I would bet you the rest of this bottle of. I was just going to say, I'll bet you a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Double barrel, full bottle, single malt. We're we're three quarters of the way right. through, um, and I got it on sale, so it's not exactly it a rich bet. It was a little more than three fifty. <laughs> three fifty. You you Good have got to get a sound bite of that into the uh, actual final produced you know podcast here. You know what? No, I'm not no. going to. Okay. I'm not going to. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you beg for it. <laughs> well, it was about that time that I noticed this Girl Scout was about eight stories tall and was a crustacean from the Pentadoric era. The Lachnet Monster. I said, "Damn it, Monster! Get off my lawn!" Oh, um. So. So, but I, I would bet that she was like a day player. I bet yeah. she was just someone who was an actor in Vancouver that they picked up and they got, I mean, and even Ron Moore was, and David Icke were like, yeah, we totally got lucky with so many of these day players being as good as oh, they yeah. are. Like, so, like uh, Saul Ty, mm-hmm. he was a, he was like a, a dude they picked up in Vancouver. I don't think they cast him as a, uh, you know, Michael Hogan. Yeah. He was a dude from Vancouver, I believe. I don't think he was cast in advance. Hmm. So, I mean, they got so many great players. 
Um, but there's so much going on in this episode. Yeah. yeah. And and I think it it just it starts bringing together because you have that whole and again it's so it's it's a testament to how good the storytelling is that we have managed to not talk about the entire Hilo and Sharon storyline. Well, and, and and did you notice that we haven't we haven't even mentioned that once up until we now, haven't. But it was a and it was a it was it wasn't a huge part of season one, but it was an undercurrent. And they they managed to maintain it and keep it at a simmer. It was like they're like expert cooks. They were like, no, we can keep that right at a at a medium boil, keep that simmering, and it'll just be perfect when we're ready to bring it to a boil. And here it's like they brought it to a boil, man. All of a sudden now it's like, oh, by the way, we're gonna crash into the uh, the uh, the A storyline here. By the way, pardon me, we're coming through. Oh, absolutely, and 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 not to mention as well, and and I definitely think we got to avoid this one just for time's sake but next episode we 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 haven't even touched on the whole um baltar and what at least what i've read is referred to as head six you know where where it's not she's not there in in corporal form but she's there as kind of a projection in his mind um and and just how that has played out as well yeah i mean this oh my gosh again we could (laughs) We could do, and and actually there well, is. That, I I am ashamed. I am ashamed to say that there is that I don't know the title of this. I will find it out and I'll put it in the show notes. There's a podcast with with Battlestar Galactica cast members. I believe Trisha Helfer is one of them, and they are going episode by episode and essentially doing like a commentary. Oh, wow. And I I've. I have gotten so woefully behind on all of my other podcasts <laughs> listening that I have not even managed to get to nice. that. Uh, but I will because I am that much of a geek, ladies and gentlemen. I'm willing to do that for you. I'm here yep. for you. Um, but we could we could go episode by yeah. episode and talk about these. We have, for crying out loud. I mean, give us another three hours and we'll finish up the whole series. I mean, our, 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 both our top fives, I think, were just good a good cross section of the season overall. And, and it's not that the episodes we left out were, were bad. I, I just think when you have such a great season, like this one was, you, you just go with what was impactful, you know? And, and, oh, and totally. I think these that we, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to wrap it up, but, but, you know, just, I, I think what we've, what we've walked through really was the impactful episodes of the first season. Um, you know, just at least to you and I. I mean, I'm sure some of the other ones might have hit people a certain way, but, um, but, but totally. that last one, like you mentioned with Hilo and Boomer, I mean, you know, Hilo coming to grips with the fact that, you know, he sees another version of Boomer, you know, right? And, and what the oh, heck yeah. is going on? I mean, he, he's, you know, and, and then of course we start to see her experiencing what we know as, as, you know, basically pregnancy sort of, you know, um, symptoms on a vastly accelerated right, scale right and and so now you know that even gets like even crazier because you're talking about a human cylon sort of breeding thing going on which is you know so so they're they're just kind of laying the groundwork for you know more just better storytelling um that that comes down the pipeline in, in the in the subsequent seasons yeah and then of course i mean honestly i think one of the one of the things that really got me about this episode is and I I'm ashamed to say 
I forgot that it happened in this episode only because like the the last two episodes of this season and the first episode of season two kind of all blended into one for me. I don't know why. It might have been because I had um, just the way things worked out. I'd gotten season one and then I got the first half of season two really soon afterwards. I don't I'm not sure how that I can't remember how that worked out, Um, but I couldn't remember. But the the six and Starbuck fights. Oh, yeah. On Caprica, which to me is that was brutal. I can't say that it's as good as the the Roddy Piper fight in <laughs> They Live, <laughs> but I'll be damned if I wouldn't put it in the conversation. Oh my gosh. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble gum because it carries over. Like they cut away from it several right, times. Right. And they come back to it. I'm pretty sure there was a commercial break in there somewhere. And they keep coming back to it. And it is brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And I mean, when you when you think about it, like, I mean, you can tell a lot of this was was right. them and the way they cut it together and just the, the pacing of it and the way it's shot, it was really well done. Like that fight was intense. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then at the very, <laughs> the very end, as all of a sudden Hilo and Sharon show up and they're watching, and there's and there's six. She's got the arrow and she's kind of looking at him like, what the frig is all the big deal about? And then all of a sudden, Starbuck is just like comes at yeah. her, and just then they like they fall down that hole into the into the next thing, and Hilo's just standing there like like mouth agape and just does that Starbuck. <laughs> Like it's dramatic, but it's also really freaking funny at the I same mean, time. Like for, from Hilo's perspective, the scorecard is: I've seen multiple sixes, I've seen two boomers, and oh, Starbuck. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> I'm yeah. out. I give up. Like at that point, I'm tapping out. I'm if, tapping if, out at this point. If instead of yelling Starbuck, he yelled, "I poop my pants," <laughs> totally justified. Totally justified. Oh like I think, no less of you, sir. You, you, you are well deserved in that yeah. reaction. Because at that point, I'd be like, I give yeah. up. I yeah. give up. Take me to your leader. That was amazing. Yeah, that was utterly yeah. amazing. Um, and then, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the point now. So then we we get the Raptor Assault mm-hmm. Team, which was a, another one of those fun little moments. Like you knew when Adama was like, "Get me a Raptor." And an assault team. You're like, oh, some stuff's <laughs> gonna happen now. <laughs> it's that it's that quiet rage again. Like the plot has just gone into six gear, baby. Oh, we yeah. are we are like we are in a Lamborghini Diablo and we are hurtling towards destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so then they get onto Colonial One. There's there's Ty, there's Apollo, there's the strike team, guns pointing at each other, and Apollo puts a gun to Ty's mm-hmm. head. You know that's gonna go well. Oh yeah. Well. Oh yeah. You, I mean, because I mean, Saul Ty ain't gonna hold a grudge, right? <laughs> He's gonna let live and let live. <laughs> I think this is the point we put in that soundbite of Saul's goofy laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> oh there ain't gosh. no way that's gonna turn nope. out. And then, and 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 then again, like, because there's just so much happening in this episode. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable that they managed to have this many plates spinning. Mm-hmm. 
and and nothing drop because then oh by the way boomer finds out she's a cylon and we're talking about boomer on galactica right boomer on galactica you know the one who just tried to kill herself by the way in the in the like the previous episode and and she finds out she's a cylon because she's going to deliver a nuke onto a base ship and then all of a sudden like naked hers show up like a dozen Mm -hmm. of them show up and they're like hey (laughs) (laughs) that's quite a retelling of that scene (laughs) You tell no, me. I, if you I, were I, think, somewhere, I think that was the right tone. Let's let, let's just put it in this yeah. way: you're somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's dark. You've never been there. So let's say it's uh, a parking garage in Newark, New Jersey. All right, around two a.m. Mm-hmm. You get out your car, and all of a sudden you start here. Tim, <laughs> what the hell? First of all, if you didn't wet yourself right, right there, you're you're more of a man no. than I. What the hell? I get you. You turn ar- you turn around and out of the shadows is like 12 exact copies of you and they're all yeah. naked. What the hell? You tell me if you wouldn't just freak the fuck <laughs> out. <laughs> yes. I would. Oh my gosh. I mean, I I'm not even I would probably pass yeah. out. I'm I'm not ashamed to say it. Like you confront me with twelve naked me's in a in that situation, <laughs> thud. That's it. End of episode. Right there. On? It's so yeah. It's not even dramatic. Right. Um. So then you have that happen. Then we have the opera house. Right. Which I don't even know how to begin to describe this. Like you need to watch it. If you haven't watched it, again, if you if even if you have watched it, go back and rewatch it. If you haven't watched it recently, yeah. go back and rewatch it cuz it is gorgeous. Yeah. It is gorgeous on so many levels and I forgot until I rewatched it today because you have you have you have six of course looking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, cuz they the the rule was basically in like 95% of the shots just make Trisha Helfer look beautiful. <laughs> and they're like, okay, a little bit of makeup and a light. Hey, perfect. Um, all right, next. So, but six looks angelic, you know? And then Baltar, of course, has been on Cobalt, crashed, gone through hell and back. And he is just like bloodied and bandaged and just a wreck. Yeah. So you have the comparison between them, and then they're walking through this opera house, and you have the gorgeous music, and all of that, and of course they go out, and you know the sh- this is this is the shape of things to come, mm-hmm. which in that opera house I'm like they're never uh, uh, as going through the series you're like yeah, they're never gonna pay this off, never. Right. Damn it! Did they ever? Oh pay yeah! Off? Oh yeah! Ron Moore, you. Glorious bastard, you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you did it, but God bless you for it, sir. Um, And then, of course, this is like, this is all preamble. If that's even believable, because at this point, like, uh, like in a normal episode, your head is going to explode about five plot points before this. Oh, and by the way, uh, Boomer comes back to the Galactica. Uh, Lee has been arrested by Ty because, of course, he's you know mutinied, right. and 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 then of course 
Ty and and Dama and Lee in cuffs is in the CIC when Boomer comes in because of course and Adama goes over and makes a big point of like you know you did your duty even when you didn't you know know if it was right in this and that you know right. like essentially like you know taking a big giant dump in Lee's front yard and then Boomer shoots Adama yeah, yeah. like four times and he's laying on the CIC table bleeding out Fade yeah. Oh, it, it, that that was one of the best season enders. Ladies I have and seen. gentlemen, I give you the cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers. Yeah. We can hang it up. The award is going to just reside yep. here. Yeah. You don't get. I mean, holy crap! Right. And I forget in in this episode, and and again, I I I didn't see it, so I forget the detail around it. Did. Did they in fact get the answer they were looking for this episode with where to go for Earth? No. Okay, so that's cu- that's coming no. in season in the beginning part of season two. Then I think. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like they totally like just held so yeah. much, and that was one of the things I respected about Battlestar Galactica. Even even to the uh, the final episode where you're like people are like ah they didn't do this they did that. I mean, they were very clear pretty much up front. Like hey, we'll pay off some stuff. We'll pay off some other stuff. Some stuff. Go screw. Yeah. No, and and like, I mean this is after and this is real life, folks. You might not get an answer. Like holy right. crap. Right, and and they, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, they ripped off the band aid, so to speak, on a number of different things. So to kind of play something close to the vest, you know, e- even in this uh, season finale, was just brilliant. You know, and and yeah, leave it, leaving it teed up for the next season. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's just so much, I mean, as you were talking, I'm remembering some of this detail now. So yeah, th- there was a lot going on in, in those last two. So much, so much. I mean, it, I, I was amazed rewatching just part yeah. two. I didn't, I didn't wa- I didn't rewatch part one. Like all the stuff I mentioned was from part yeah. two. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a dense episode. Uh, and, uh, oh my gosh. Anyways. So there we have it. We made it. In, in, <laughs> I know. Holy shnikes, we made it. So there we have it. There's there's our uh, our there's our our top five. Well, our five favorite episodes from season one of Battlestar Galactica. Such as they are, uh, we and, uh, are glad you made it through this and, far. And as a teaser for for the next episode, do would would you agree that maybe the opener for the next episode or the beginning of the next episode, we we do talk a little bit about Hilo and Boomer and about you know Baltar and Head Six and oh, kind of totally. get into that because I mean you know again like you said we could be going on for hours. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's just so much dude. to it. It's incredible. You are speaking my language right now. I, I could I could talk about this stuff for the I next know, I know. several I know. hours. And another thing. All right, and now it's time for and another thing. And uh, let's go. Uh, let's have Mr. Tim share his another thing first. Uh, okay. So uh, my and another thing uh, this time is a uh, a podcast recommendation. Um, I have, uh, I listened to a few shows on NPR, um, and one in particular that, uh, I really enjoy, um, I tend to catch it, uh, on Saturdays when I'm running various errands is, uh, how I built this, uh, with Guy Raz is his name. Uh, it's done by mm-hmm. NPR and, um, 
Guy Raz dives into the stories behind some of the world's best-known companies. Uh, How I Built This weaves a narrative journey about innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists, and the movements they built. And one of the things, uh, you know, my, my recommendation last time was a was a documentary um, about the band Rush. Um, one of the things you'll probably see as we do these is I, I like stories. Um, I, I like to hear about uh, different people's journeys, um, what they what was challenging for them, what they ran into that, um, you know, kind of took them off course a bit and how they found their way to, to their goal. And this show really uh tells those kinds of stories. Um, it's very interesting to, to hear about how companies like uh, Panera Bread, how JetBlue, um, how FUBU, I don't remember FUBU clothes, um, uh, Dave's mm-hmm. Killer Bread, I just listened to that one today. Um, you know, he, he has an amazing story just, you know, through a drug addiction and through a lot of different, you know, ups and downs to how he came, you know, to, to, to make this. Wasn't he in, wasn't he And in he prison? was in prison, yeah. Yeah, he, he had quite yeah. a journey. Um, uh, the, there's another one I don't have it written down, but, uh, it's a, uh, kettle corn company called, I think it's called boom chicka pop. Um, Oh, I think, I think I know who you're talking about. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. to hear their story where, I mean, they were like saddled with debt for, I mean, a really long time before they finally hit the success that they found. And, so, and, and just understanding how, you know, not, you know, these stories are success stories, but y- you know, there's a bunch of other stories you're not going to hear about of people who, didn't make it, you know, and so it's it's really interesting yeah. to hear how these people came to build their companies and 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 just the creative nature of, of what they did, and that's just something I enjoy. Um, so hopefully uh, our listeners will as well. And um, it's usually on uh, NPR on on the weekends. Uh, you can find it uh, on Spotify if you just look up podcasts and look up how I built this. You'll you'll see the entire catalog of episodes, and there's a lot of them. So. Enjoy the stories, uh, and uh, that's that's my and another thing. That's really cool. I'm gonna have to check that out because that's, I, I I really enjoy stories like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's fun. It's 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 fun to hear it. As someone who kind of is a a small business owner, it's always interesting to hear how other people have done stuff. Oh yeah, like that. yeah. And what is um, yours? So my another, uh, well, my another thing is boxing Gandhi's. All right. That's it. I'm just going to say <laughs> Mic drop. We're done. <laughs> yeah. No. So uh, so quick description, and this is ripped f- straight from Wikipedia. The Boxing Gandhis are an American alternative funk soul band from Los Angeles founded by music producer David Darling. Um, they, came, uh, they came out with their original uh, self-titled album in 1993, uh, and they charted pretty well with that. And it also had a, a hit with their song, If You Love Me, Why Am I Dying? And uh, it they they were opening around the on tour for Dave Matthews Band and Big Head Todd, and the Monsters. Um, the song's video also garnered a Billboard Music Award for Video of the Year. Um, and then their their record label was actually purchased by Atlantic Records. They released their second album, Howard. Which honestly, if I'm if I'm going to tell you, Howard is actually better than their first album. However, it didn't get as much radio play, and then they went on a brief hiatus. They released an EP, uh, an EP of new new material in 2008 titled Third Second Chance, released a digital download-only EP on iTunes titled Brand New Start in 2011. And right now, if you go on iTunes, uh, you can see their brand new album called Culture War. 
um, and it's pending release. Right now there's two singles uh, that are available from it. I highly recommend these guys. Nice. This this is a band that um, I got into back when I was graduating high school, getting into college. Uh, so it was right when their first album came out. It, funnily enough, this is a Columbia Records uh, house uh, success story. Oh, back was, in the day. Yeah, it was like, hey, send us a penny and we'll send you 10 CDs and then you're hooked <laughs> in for the rest of your life. But honestly, that that experience gave me so much because I I bought stuff that I never would have bought because I would get like, hey, buy one, get one free. Yeah. And I'd buy a CD that I wanted and then I'd be like, I don't know what I want for free. All right, here's a... Here's something, and that was Box yeah. and Gandhi's. Like uh, that was totally a get one free nice. for me. And I was like, you know, they described as like, oh yeah, Philadelphia sort of ish sound with Sly and the Family Stone like mashed together. I'm like, all right, cool, I'll take a chance on that because it's going to cost yeah. me nothing. Yeah. And one of the best musical decisions I've ever oh, made. Oh, cool! I have to check that These out. These guys are legit. Yeah. Um, and their brand new album. I think right now just kind of speaks to the times that we're yeah. in, um, and even even their their other albums really have a very serious like social conscience to them, um, and they are one of those bands that I'm like, if there was any justice in the world, this band would be huge. Yeah. They would be absolutely huge. They are so genuine and just musically talented. It's fantastic. So please check them out. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, I don't think they're on Twitter or really YouTube at all. Um, but if you go to iTunes, I know you can find their new album, Culture War, and uh, either pre-order it or if you're uh, subscribing to uh, Apple Music, you can grab the first couple singles that are cool. off Cool. I'll have to check it out. Nice. So uh, any last thoughts for this marathon episode? Because we are once again way past what we thought we would Yeah, we're at. flirting with uh, 350. Well... At least two fifty, so <laughs> or disaster, whichever how you want to think of it. <laughs> no, I I think we've uh, I, I think we've done a, a fine uh, as, as fine a job as we can overviewing season one. I think uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was a good cross section of of episodes, and uh, I th I think I think they can tell we like the show a little bit. M maybe just a just a, a hair, <laughs> just a just a a little bit. Uh, yes, and, and so uh, we welcome comments or questions or things like that. It, it, so right now, I've been totally lazy about setting up an email address, even though it takes five seconds. So if you go on Facebook and you like the page or uh, you know follow us on Twitter, send us a, a tweet or, or, or a direct message or whatever, we'll, we'll get back to you. We'll try to answer those as we go along. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually we'll set up an email so you can harass us that way as well. Uh, however, if you happen to be a cast member, um, just looking at you, Edward, James, uh, almost, and Katie Sackhoff, uh, Jamie Bamber, <laughs> James Callis, Aaron If you Douglas, got a free couple of hours and you want to chat with a couple knuckleheads. <laughs> Mary McDonald. Please. It's a sinus. I don't, I, you know, whatever. Callie. Just another leak in that fracking window. Just, you know, hit us up. Uh, if, you know. If, if you were a key grip on, on the uh, on set. <laughs> <laughs> a caterer. If you did lighting. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, 
But no, seriously, this if you have not, if you've made it this far, first of all, God bless you for making it through almost three hours. Many, of us, many thanks. You know, jabbering about this, and you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica. For goodness sake, just go get Amazon Prime or find them used or whatever. There, it's fantastic. You will not regret fantastic it. Fantastic television. You will not regret it. No, no. And if you do, that reflects more on you as a person <laughs> than us. Oh, way to way to way to bring it to an end. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry, but there's just these are the facts uh, of life. Just Todd feels the way he you. feels. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it, and uh, feel free to spread the news. Uh, you know, share this with your friends. Um, share it with an enemy. We really don't care. <laughs> We're not picky. Um. And we have very low standards. So go ahead and share it with whoever you'd like and uh, you know, spread the joy, spread the misery. However you look at it, it's all good yes. with us. So I'll, I will give you, Mr. Mr. Tim, the last word here. What it's do been you a got? pleasure. It's been uh, fun. I'm looking forward to, to the next episode with season two. And uh, in the immortal words of Bill Adama, walk out of here while you still can. So say we all. Thank you.